A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome back to the Pole Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D, the dead pole hitter, coming at you with a nice, fresh podcast with two of my closest friends in the fantasy baseball industry, Mr. Ryan Roof and Mr. Ryan Venancio. We get into a ton of stuff. We had a great doc planned, a whole bunch of notes, and uh, it was a little lengthy, as some of my podcasts tend to be, but it was full of filled with some good stuff, very good nuggets, so listen to it at one shot, break it up, but both of the Ryans brought the heat on this episode, and um, I'm excited to get it out, we had a nice little fun discussion in the beginning of the pod, I guess it was just me really excited to get behind the mic, I had a lot of things to say, and uh, we just flowed, we flowed into some closer talk, we highlight Ryan Roof's article on Rotowire, his closer encounters, breaking down how each team used um, their bullpen this year and kind of get a glimpse into what maybe we can expect going forward into next year. We highlight the top free agent relief pitchers and where we think they might go, where they could go, which team might need them, um, stuff like that. We also talked about some of the ADP from last year, early draft champions, so October to December. We highlight some of the pitchers that went really late and compare it to some of the relief pitchers going this year really late and try to get a sense of maybe some of the relief pitchers that we like in that range to try to get some late speculative saves. And we talk a little bit about our teams and um, what kind of like we might be, you know, what we missed on last year, what we did well with last year, as well as what the full draft champions and fantasy basketball baseball landscape did good with uh we looked at the 80th percentiles we looked at some correlations with hitting points and um the statistical categories that we use um then we did some adp battles um some early adp battles we did a power one a speed one a starting pitcher one um tons of stuff really really good stuff in this pod so i'm excited to get it out for you guys and um really big shout out to both Ryan's who, you know, awesome, awesome analysts. If you guys follow them, they're truly good at their craft and they're great players as well, which is a double double whammy, as we like to say. But um, enjoy the episode. Thanks. Alrighty, folks, welcome to the Pole Hitter Podcast. It's Rob D, the dead pole hitter. It's been a long time. It feels like forever. But getting back behind the mic with my two good friends, both happen to be named Ryan Ryan Roof, Ryan Venancio, what's up, fellas? Thanks for joining me tonight as we watch some World Series and have a kick-ass breakdown for everybody. Yo, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. 
Yeah, yeah, it feels good. It feels good. I mean, obviously, we've been doing some drafts. We continued our August uh, too early draft that you guys both participated in. And then I got into an MTM fast draft with Ryan Roof himself. And uh, But now I'm just like relaxing. I'm going to really dig in, have a list of player dive that I want to do. I've been really trying to analyze my teams, enjoy some baseball, but... Um, you know, can't stay silent too long. And I had a good rundown, had some good ideas, and I know you guys are ready to kick some ass uh, tonight. So I'm excited. Um, Schwarber just hit a home run to make it one nothing. Top of the sixth. Uh, this this World Series has been really good. I mean, I've been just enjoying every single inning. So like, it's just been good. You know, there hasn't really been too much downtime in the games where you, you could find yourself floating to something else, right? It just feel like it's been great. Um, been awesome to watch. Who you guys think end up taking it down? You think the Phillies could take two in let's Houston? Go, let's go Phillies. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm rooting for the Phillies, but um, I think it's going to be tough to beat Houston two in a row in Houston. But I'm, I'm rooting for them. Yeah. It's tough being a Met fan watching – you know, obviously, we don't want to see the Phillies win as a Met fan. Uh, but you know what? I I I love baseball, and I love I just love good storylines and good everything. Obviously, everyone loves an underdog. Um, I've always been a big big Bryce fan. Did the best catcher? I have like a JTR bias too because he's helped me win so many leagues, right? So it starts to creep into fantasy. You know these teams that you're supposed to be not rooting for, but I think that's a little overrated too. Like when people say, I hate this team, you know, that's a little rough. Like it's such a strong word, hate, just enjoy sports, you know, but I get it. I get it. People get heated and uh, they could definitely be that way too. I, I think I was that way when I was younger and as I got older, I feel like it wasn't worth the stress to really waste energy on disliking certain people. But Stott, I think is the biggest thing because Saw him so much last year in Lakewood, you know, and I was like, me and my wife just watched so many games of him last year and him and Ohapi. And I like these kids, you know, like I saw a lot of them. They were like gritty, good players and in, in minor leagues and just watching him now in the in the World Series, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, when you get to see someone up in person and then see them in the World Series, uh one yeah, year later, sort of like Gene Segura there for the first time, first playoff appearance, right? Makes the World Series, yeah. Plus Harper, you know, with the just been on fire the whole postseason, and what a you know, stud, man! That guy's yeah, so good. yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, you hear so much of the uh, you know, the Mike Trout versus Harper talk. You know, oh, I think that just hooked foul. He almost hit one out. Um, you know, I, I think like he got a bad name from an early start. And uh, he's just, I feel like he's done enough in his career to make people not say that he's been overrated, but, you know. I mean, his first, his first is probably one of the best, uh, one of the 10 best offensive seasons of all time, <laughs> where he had like, what do you have, like a 200 WRC plus and one MVP. So it's like, uh, I feel like he's been uh, the year, I think the year after that, he struggled. And ever since then, he's been underrated for whatever reason. Uh, but Har- Harper's been my favorite player for so long. 
it's hard to come out like you know when you're on Sports Illustrated as a 15 year old and you know you're on like <laughs> it was probably one of the first like I remember like viral YouTube videos was watching him uh, you know blast homers in the home run derby at the at the Tropicana you know hitting him off the catwalk and everything um, as a 15 year old kid you know we're drawn to that but good to see him do well um, yeah I mean. They got to close this game out and then come out tomorrow and throw, I guess, who are we going to see tomorrow comes down to that? Does uh, Javier come back for the Astros for at least a couple innings, right? Yeah, I'd say they go Javier, Luis Garcia. Um, no Lance. I would, think, I would think mostly them, yeah. Yeah, some combination of that. And then they have their ridiculous relief core of, Freaking Abreu, Stanek, Presley. Their bullpen's unbelievable. Montero, right. Neris, yeah. Montero, yeah. They got so many guys. Hunter Montero. Brown, you could throw out there. Yeah, Montero's going to come up later on in our podcast when we talk about free agent relief pitchers because he's an interesting topic. Um, But, yeah, so let's, let's get into it. Um, Let's hit up our... Uh, Oh, a little uh, doc here. I wanted to talk about Ryan's article on um, rotowire.com. Ryan Roop. I have to specify the Ryan. So, Ryan squared, it's man. All right. It's all right. Everyone will know your last names before the podcast. Then. R-R and um, R-V. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Armbarn. And, yeah, so actually both of you guys are technically like, you know, relief pitcher guys because Ryan, co- Ryan Roof covers them on Rotowire and – Venancio has the arm barn as part of the uh that was a quick change for you, right? You went to that handle as soon as it got big, right? right? Uh yeah, I thought I thought of it and one of my buddies thought <laughs> it was did. funny, so I was like, fuck it, I'm making it I'm making my my Twitter name Ben Armbarn. I don't care. It's a big it, it's a big move to change your change your handle, right? I mean it's like that it takes yeah, a lot. I don't plan on I yeah, don't okay. plan on changing it again anytime soon. So yeah. No, right. Uh, it's, it's not a Zach Waxman type of uh, go. <laughs> well, what's been your favorite Zach Waxman name? Roto Garbage is great. You know, the new one. It's pretty uh, good. It's That's pretty a good, good one. Mine is Miles Straw for MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's clear number one. Yeah. I've lost, was... I've lost count of how many handles he's had. So, yeah, Miles Straw for MVP was, was a favorite of mine, too. Right? Yeah. This should be. This should definitely be a Twitter question. I feel like, uh, what was the other one too? It had Roto Doctor, right? Was Mm -hmm. he Roto? Yep. And um, Zach Roto. That was like I that that was the first one I remember he had. He should. This should. We should do a Jeopardy, right? I should have done that. A Jeopardy of (laughs) Zach's Zach's handles and in honor of Zach, uh, Jeopardy prowess. Um, I think I had one of the best performances on his Jeopardy, actually, which I was shocked because I'm not really good with on the spot kind of trivia like that. But uh, I'm not surprised at all. I feel like that's that'd be something you'd be good at. That doesn't surprise me at all. You did well. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised myself. Actually, I'm doing a trivia next weekend. Um, with Toby, Phil, Steve, Justin Mason, Sammy Reed, we're all on one team. I, I always heard about it in the last couple of years. It's like a 16 trivia, baseball trivia that everyone gets. 
pretty competitive on. So I didn't last two years. I didn't do it. Uh, Toby asked me this year to join the team, and I'm pretty excited, but I'm also nervous because I I feel like I don't do good on trivia. You know, and I think it goes back to I forgot what grade it was, but I was uh I was in a spelling bee, man. I was favored. I was favored to win the spelling bee. You know, I was a good speller, and I fucked up jungle. I never forget it. <laughs> I said it real quick too. I didn't think, but I said G U N G L E, you know, not J. She's like, no, nah, you're wrong. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm wrong? You know, I fucking spelled gungle. <laughs> and since then I learned, just take your time, you know, just take your time, take a deep breath and then, and then talk, you know, this, you need to do bad. a spelling bee at some point. Cause I, I was a good speller too. Back yeah. In the day. I remember doing the script spelling bee, man. They were popular. And I remember, I remember it, vividly game. going to a restaurant with my parents when I was like young and bringing that like spelling, that scripts guidebook, that spelling bee guidebook, like practice thing just to prep for it. Uh, it was good times. I don't think I did well either. I probably had something dumb like that too, but <laughs> I don't remember what the word was stayed with me man it really did gungle fucking gungle man it just change your uh twitter handle to gungle i should right roto gungle roto gungle <laughs> oh man oh, that's so good so many like life memories you know that like that, that one sticks out you know <laughs> and i think it always i think it messed me up going forward like in pressure situations like playing baseball like in a three two count i remember getting my sweaty hands you know like just over yeah the gungle popped up and came back (laughs) you're gonna Uh, be in trivia next week and think about that you're gonna like i don't know it's gonna be like an easy question or something yeah well toby was saying like one of the things is like you know like baseball cities or u.s cities like it's a city thing and i'm so bad with cities and states you know when it's like what city is this in i'll pretty much say a state like, wait, that's a city. Wait, 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 let's talk about this for a second. Are you prepping for this trivia thing? Are you like doing some history? Like, no, 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 no. What? No, this no, I'm not. It's all on the fly. All right, all right. Listen, I, like listen, I got, I got Toby, Steve, Phil. Right. <laughs> just I got the dude who had the, the I just 50 need presidents like, or whatever if, on his if, wall. Yeah, he, so, yeah. If there's 50 questions that they ask, if I could just give one right one, I feel like I pitched in enough. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a good group, man. That's tough. That's yeah. tough I'm there team. for like guys, I bring. Guys are loaded. I bring character. I bring like team stuff. You know, maybe I'll notice if they're tipping their pitches, stuff like that. You're, you're like, like the what? team spirit guy. You're like, well, let's go, guys. I do whatever it takes. Like, you're you know, a, you're, you're a glue guy. I'm the fucking exactly. I'm dream. I'm dream on green, <laughs> but just a little less controversial. Um, yeah, I was like. Even when I used to play basketball back in the day, like I was little, you know, I was, uh, but I was physical down low. I would play like Rodman. Like that was my, I would really play like Rodman. I would grab, you know, I would grab a jersey every now and then, you, a, a, a little yank down. They can't jump up, you know, just stuff like that. I played Brooklyn style. And uh, you, have the, you have the forearm in the back, you know? No, 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 no. I wasn't a forearm in the back. I was like, if someone drove past me, I would actually just like, cut the angle, extend my knee and my hip and just, you know, just make him run the turnaround make, swipe. Make him run into like my the... like inner leg, you know. Just yeah. yeah. I was, you know, 
but I was a good box out, a good box out guy. Like big guys couldn't believe like this little, little dude just boxed him out like a pro, you know, but it's the little yeah. things. It's just the little things that matter. You know, I loved basketball. I was so bad at it though. I did this, uh, I did this rec league team and our team name was, was thugs and buckets. <laughs> it was just a bunch of like fresh out of high school, white guys who were short and could not play basketball at all. Like you were your short you down to your ankle. We did not. So there were, I think there were nine teams in the league and eight teams made the playoffs and we were the team that didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> so yeah, that sucked. Did but, you yeah. come the bone thugs in harmony? That was pretty uh probably yeah, I think did. that was an inspiration for the team name. Probably, I can't remember I mean, exactly what like we it. were thinking at the time, but <laughs> yeah, it was um it was pretty embarrassing. Oh but, uh, man. But yeah, I was I was like I was I took pride in like the box out. Like like you did. Yes, yes. It's I was all a big box hundred percent. I was a big yeah. box out guy. My brother, my oldest brother played high school, he was really good, and when his his high school was like, like fifth or sixth in the state of New York when he played. They were like number one or number two in Brooklyn, behind I think one of Stephon Marbury's brothers, his older brother's team. He was good, and he had a great team. And I just remember go there, and he's got the clippings from like the Daily News, you know, in New York. They used to do like full high school write up. Now I don't do anything, but it like had my brother's name with like with ten assists, you know, like has all these cool sayings. I'm like, man, you're in the daily news, you know? But I just remember watching That's him awesome. a lot and like playing the same way. Like I I felt like a great pass was always better than like getting a getting points, you know? Like I had a nice jumper too, especially like mid-range. You know, I didn't have to go three, but like I was automatic at 15 feet. Like I had the elbow spot. Like I had my spots that I was just I would practice all the time. And I just felt like it was always better to Lay out a nice I just try to get to the free throw line, man. That yeah. was the one thing I was good at, free throws. Oh, Everything yeah? else was terrible. Yeah. I used to do, so like in my house in Brooklyn, when I was real young, I mean, I had, I think all the way up until I was about 18, 19 years old. But so we have like this narrow driveway and we had a hoop attached to the top of the garage that was like right behind both houses so it was like really narrow though like maybe eight feet but you know we used to we used to use it to our advantage like i would practice i would throw a bounce pass off the wall and catch it off the run like i was coming off a screen you know and it was so oh, easy yeah. you could literally do it all day like I, and that's all i did i would i would do specific plays and just practice it all day and use the wall as my friend and i would just always so like in the back of the house it was like the side angle of the hoop next to the garage and, and the garden. Couldn't couldn't get the ball on my Nuno's garden. He would fucking fuck you up. He'd hit you with the cane, you know? If you got the ball on the on the plants, forget it. A big basketball. Dude, there's nothing better than fake pretend basketball. Fake, like fake how many game winning shots did we get when we were kids? Five, four, three, like, two, so one. So many. Yeah. I was I was money with the clock down too. You know, I wish I could have counted yeah. how many like shots I hit with the <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I used to literally yeah, I used to time, throw the time, ball off off my house in between these two windows, like the first and second floor window. And if you made a perfect throw, it would come over to you 
like you're getting an entry pass, like in the post, like a lob pass in the post, you know, and I used to just practice it all the time. And I used to do hockey moves, you know, like the turn around, practice, go left, go right. And, yeah. And then like Chris Weber was my favorite player. So I would, I would always do like his patented jump hook, you know, like the, just the mini hook. And I used to just throw it in, do a quick shoot. Fantasy baseball show talking about fucking throwing the ball off your house. And... <laughs> uh, this is exactly what everyone tuned into this this podcast. For. I'm it's having our... fun now. It's fun. I have so much fun <laughs> to talk about. This is so much fun. I'm in. I'm in a zone. So it's great. All right, let's go, Ryan. You wrote two articles. Post- Which Ryan? Hold on. Hold on. Roof. Ryan? Roof. Roof. Right. So you um post uh once the season ended you wrote two, um, well, more than two articles, but your Closer Encounter articles was a two-part. I want to focus here on the first one where you dive into how each team handled their saves um, and the percentage of, ta- uh, you know, pitchers that got 10 or more saves. Great article. I, like, really enjoyed reading, like, the quick snapshots of the teams as soon as the season ended. I felt like I got my brain into a good... Um, I mean, cause you know, we're also in tune with what's happening because of fab and everything. So we're kind of c- conscious of what's happening, but then I always like just seeing the numbers at the end. Um, so I just wanted to blast through these teams, talk about, you know, like you, um, I think you made terms as like primary closer or fluid, um, roles. And so just want to go through each team and talk about what kind of roles each team had and, you know, the, the actual, um closes in there on those respective teams that did some work so um i'll give it to you however you want to break it down and talk about it um let's do it yeah let's do it so uh there's a two-part series rotowire.com it's um the 2022 saves and review um i think rotowire.com slash try if you're not a subscriber now i think that's the promo code um to get a free 10-day trial Nice. Uh, but basically, yeah, we just look at uh, the past season of saves. Um, what I wanted to do first was kind of look at um, the teams um, just to see what their like approach was for saves throughout the season. And it broke it down as follows. Um, teams that use the primary closer all season, teams that use the primary closer for most of the season, um, teams that started with a primary closer but then shifted to fluid roles at some point. And then also teams that had fluid usage due to either manager preference or fluid usage due to just bad performance throughout the year. So um, to start, really, um, teams that used a primary closer, there were 24 teams that started really kind of started the season with a primary closer all year. Um, um and then, so, and that kind of breaks down to 11 teams who used a primary closer all season. Um, that being the Braves, Kenley Jansen, um, Baltimore used a primary closer all season. Now they had a, you know, a change in there, but um, once they traded Jorge Lopez, they immediately shifted to Felix Bautista. Uh, Ryan drafted him in our, our August draft in fifth round. Um, so really, you know, even though they used two closers throughout the year, they had a one primary guy throughout the whole year. Um, Cleveland with Emmanuel Class A, obviously he had a, a great season-led league and saves. Daniel Bard with Colorado was awesome all year. Uh, 
I'm working on outlooks for relievers right now for Rotowire, and uh, his was really interesting. Um, had some good takeaways from just looking at his season. Uh, he, he ditched his fastball, which was terrible uh, historically, uh, in favor of a sinker. Um, and it really led to his career season at age 37, uh, career high velocity. He was just had a really good year, earned him a two, two year extension with the Rockies. So, uh, pretty cool to see that. Um, Daniel White Sox, man. what a season, right? I'm sorry. To yeah. Up here. Yeah. He was one of the best values, uh, you know, of late closers. Um, you know, he was really, he went undrafted in a lot of leagues, like, uh, the, the fab leagues just because, uh, you know, and if he was, it was, it was, you know, last round, um, just because Colorado didn't announce a closer before the season. And um, we know Bud Black likes to use one guy and he, you know, took the job and run with it because he was just really good all year. So good for him too. Um, I, and I'm happy he stayed yeah. like he's, you know, when everyone was getting expected him and then like everyone faulted the Rockies for like not trading him just, they like this guy as the closer. So just let them keep him if they want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so then uh, other teams that use a pitcher, like a, oh, I'm sorry. Go go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. No, I'm like, what are you what are you getting for Daniel Bard? Like two prospects that might be good. Like right. you might as well you might as well just keep. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And as I'm sure they they thought that exact thing. You know, at the deadline, I'm sure they got offers for him and they were just like, you know what? We like this guy. You know, he knows how to pitch well in Colorado. I think his his splits were like favorable for I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think they were pretty favorable in Coors, too. So, um, yeah, good for him. And then um, so the rest of the teams that use a closer all season primary guy, White Sox, Liam Hendricks, Tigers with Gregory Soto, Astros with Presley, Mets with Diaz. Uh, Giants with Duvall, Blue Jays with Romano, and then Washington, too, used a primary closer all season. Um, they started with Tanner Rainey. Obviously, he got injured. Uh, once he got once Rainey got injured, they shifted to uh, uh, Kyle Finnegan. So those were really the teams that used a primary closer all season. And then there were seven others that used a primary closer for most of the season. Um, starting with the Royals, um, Josh Stalmont got the first two saves. For the Royals, so we all flocked to pick him up. We we're like, "What the hell, Scott Barlow? You know, you were the guy." And then he ended up being the guy. Um, he was the closer for most of the season. Uh, it really, I think he got his first save in late April, and just really kind of kept the momentum from there. Um, the Marlins with uh, Tanner Scott, and then they kind of shifted to uh, Dylan Floro late, mm-hmm. late in the year for the last month. But they basically used a primary guy. Um, we know Don Mattingly likes, you know, has a tendency of of sticking with one guy, and and he did that for the most part in 2022. Um, do you think Brewers? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Ryan. Do you do you when when there's um oh man did Jordan Jordan just hit one to the moon? Oh boy, three one. Okay. Um, when there's a um a, like a coaching change. From Mattingly to another coach, what's the like guess on when you're trying to figure out what is this bullpen going to do next year? You know, like I think we do our best with like maybe reading about the coach. You know, I know when it when um what's the name just signed the uh the new coach uh yeah I can't 
remember. But I the don't guy even know who it is. It's Cartaro. <laughs> uh, the guy who was with the Rays and with the Indians. Um, who was the new coach for? Yes. Um, um, I can't even think of it. New coach of the Marlins? I don't think it it, it is the Marlins. I, I think it was Skip, another team. Oh, oh Skip Schumacher. KC. Um, their new coach, yeah, was with the Rays and was with the Indian organization. So, just kind of like you kind of know, like Matt Cortaro, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so you kind of know in your head already, like what kind of philosophy is he's probably gonna, you know, employ because you know where his background's from. But like with the Marlins, while you're drafting right now, like how are you trying to anticipate? What they're gonna do with their pen? Are you just picking their best arm? Like if you're in a draft champions right now, like the best arm that you like in there without knowing what the manager will do. Yeah, exactly. It, it you kind of take a skills based approach, right? Towards the the latter half of your of like your DCs. I mean, um, you know, Tanner Scott's got the like strikeout upside, but Floro's you know super effective. Has been this kind of steady veteran throughout his career, so. And who knows who might who they might sign too. But either way, Marlins probably aren't going to be amazing in 2023. So I mean, really, you kind of just avoid it until free agency happens and spring training happens, and and we see, you know, who the guy is. Unfortunately, Anthony Bender had Tommy John surgery. I mean, I would say you know he would be the favorite if he was healthy, but. Um, you know, he's like probably not likely to pitch next season. So yeah. Go late, late, late Okert for me. I think I took him out of one DC. Maybe like four. Yeah, there you go. Out. That's a good call. Yeah, yeah like why that. not? Yeah, I think sucks. He... I, I was a really big fan of Bender. And uh he's got the best stuff in that pen other than Tanner Scott. Tanner Scott just can't throw strikes, but um yep. it sucks that Bender um Bender's getting TJ. Tanner Scott was one of the, I know we'll talk about um, some of the the steamer projections that were recently released, but Tanner Scott was one of the ones I, I was looking at. Um, he had a pretty low ERA, projected ERA for next season. So so maybe uh, maybe that's the guy they kind of lean on to start, or maybe they just do a committee between him and Flora, who knows. But um, you're right, that's, a, that's a, you know, with... Uh, Potraro, uh, you know, maybe his background with the Rays, they kind of just split opportunities. And on a losing team, that's probably just a situation you just want to avoid entirely. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get those teams right. Yeah. So then to close out um, the rest of the groups who had a primary closer for most of the season, uh, the Brewers, you know, with Hader to start the year. And then after they traded Hader, it was kind of, a split you know we all expected Devin Williams to get the majority share and he did but but they did give you know other save opportunities the other two other relievers in that pen you know Matt Bush got a couple um you know there was there were some others um the A's as well um before they traded well Trevino was the guy to start um Danny Jimenez um because Trevino was on the COVID IL so the, really this isn't like a a situation where they use multiple guys for, you know, um, committee purposes. This was like a, it started with Trevino. He went on the COVID IL for, for a couple weeks. They shifted to Jimenez, Danny Jimenez, who was really, really good to start the year. And then he got hurt. And then they shifted to, you know, 
uh, Acevedo to, to kind of close out the year. Um, the Pirates with Bednar, St. Louis with Helsley, um, starting with Gallegos as the primary guy and then shifting to Helsley and then San Diego with uh, um, Taylor Rogers and then Hader towards the end of the year. So even though multiple relievers got saves, you know, it was a primary guy for, for the, you know, the, the period that they were closing. So, um, so there were a lot more teams that used kind of a primary closer for, for most of the season than I expected there to be. What are you guys thoughts on that? Were you expecting the same or, or do you think, um, you know, there were, there were less teams than you expected? I always kind of like just aim for like expecting 50% of the teams to like, you know, retain the, a guy, you know, one main guy at least. Um, and then any fluctuations from there, I, I kind of feel like it's it, it's kind of expected. Because sometimes it's like it's random, you know, between like a trade or an injury from a known guy who gets all the saves. But I think those numbers were pretty, pretty on par, you know. And I don't, I think it's pretty expected for the usage these days. You know, I, I think you noted in the um, in the beginning of your article about um, the number of pitchers that had one plus saves. Right. It went up from one ninety eight to two twenty two this year. Yep. Um, and even even the um, the the amount of guys that had five or more saves. Uh, only sixty four of those two twenty two had five or more, which was only twenty eight percent. Right. So. Yeah, not a lot. I mean, the majority of the the people who log saves get get five or less. Um, so yep. again, that kind of just leads to needs leads me to think like when I'm drafting, if only sixty four pitchers are getting five or more saves, like I'm going to prioritize saves in drafts. Like it just makes sense. Like why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? Why would I play that like that that uh, speculation game in late in drafts when? More often than not, unless you're hitting on Daniel Bard or somebody late, um, which is hard to do, like you're you're going to strike out more often than not. So it's so funny yeah. because in our first draft of the year, our early draft, I did the hard Diaz hater early, and then just coasted the rest of the draft. And then in the one that we were reaching in, Ruth, um, you know, I waited. I played the waiting game and I went for your Fairbanks Taylor Rogers. And I was like looking back on it today and I was like, oh, this this might be tough. But um <laughs> that's why like at the end of the round, you know, I just loaded up on Jimenez, Tate, and um one of your one of your best picks in that draft, round forty three, Joe Jimenez. Or Jimenez, yeah. as I like to say. It was I love that pick. That yeah. I yeah, that was that, that was awesome. Yeah. 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 And I just feel like, you know, um you just need like 10 saves from round 40 past. If you can get that, that's just like such a good boost. And, I don't, you know. and spoiler for our steamer conversation, the projections, they have Jimenez for the most saves on the Tigers. Let's go, baby. Let's that, uh, go. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. Gregory. So that was not, not good. Yeah. He sucks. Um, yeah. Stuff, he's pretty bad. But, uh, the command just isn't there. I, I can't. Not. I I can't. I can't see him being. Maybe he holds it all of next year, but I would say uh, sometime in the next two years, he absolutely loses that closer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yep, for sure. Um, I think like some of the teams maybe kind of gave me a little, you know, like the Rockies, I, I guess. In the beginning of the year, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it to be barred through and through, you know. I think that was a little bit of a surprise. I'm not surprised that he held on to it, but I think the way, you know, people were drafting, like he was the second <laughs> Rocky closer off the board in draft champions, you know, behind Colome. So that's a surprise in itself. Yeah, I'm surprised. Soto kept it all year. Um, and SF, you know, I think many of us questioned Doval's, you know, single usage. I think you could tell by his ADP last year, too, that we didn't buy into him being just the complete guy. And he was, you know. Um, I am so mad about Duvall because in the playoffs last year, the Giants showed that he was their closer. And he closed games in the playoffs, and he dominated. And I let people talk me into not thinking he'd be the closer next year. And I was I was mad at myself more like more than any player. Because I would have drafted so much to evolve last year, and I didn't take him one time because I let oh. people talk me out of him. I agree with you. I totally agree with it you, was, too. It was, it, was, it, was, it was staring us right in the face. Like, they were using yeah. him as the closer in the most important games. Why would he be lifted as the closer the next season? It makes no sense. You know, it was the first closer I drafted last year. Um, my first DC in like October, or whatever, November, or whatever I first did, and then I never drafted him again because it was, uh, you know, the quotes towards the spring training where you know where Kapler was going to use Jake McGee as his opening day closer, and then you know his ADP just fell from there. So yeah, yeah, he had the best stuff for sure, and uh, you know Tyler Rogers was bad. Uh, you know McGee had played for like three teams, three or four teams last year. He was just not himself. So. Yeah. I, I agree with you guys. I, I kind of, and I'm big on the, on the, you know, when people say, you know, Kappa was going to Kappa. And I'm like, Kappa actually <laughs> has had a history of preferring one, one closer, you know? So yep. it wasn't out of the question, you know, um, when people, when people really like, if you look at it and see how much, like how many saves he gave to a single guy, it's um, he's not the type of, I think people make him out and be like a raise approach, but it's really not with him um, historically either, but it's uh, yeah, I'm some, I was out on it because, you know, obviously we look at, Oh, Jake McGee and, and Rogers and realize, you know, like they couldn't keep it up. That's success they had last year was, they both pitched obviously they both pitched above you know their uh their real production especially this year they really fell hard so um yeah so rob you mentioned um the randomization of kind of the the team shifting to fluid roles you know starting with a primary closer shifting to a fluid role at some point in the year and, and the trade deadline has a lot to do with that right so last year we saw a couple trades that were pretty um you know that changed the the scope for how certain teams manage their bullpens. The one trade, uh, you know, Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs to the Dodgers. Once they, the Cubs traded them, they kind of shifted to a fluid situation. Uh, Brandon Hughes got the majority of the saves. Um, he got eight, but uh, several others pitched in as well. Mark Leiter Jr. was in there. Manuel Rodriguez got some. Um uh, Rysel Iglesias was another person who got traded uh, the deadline from the Angels to the Braves. 
David Robertson went from the Cubs to the Phillies. So really those kind of dictated the the shifts from, you know, primary closer usage first half of the year to to a more fluid uh, situation, you know, in the second half. And then Cubs are interesting, man. Beyond oh, that, Cubs are such an interesting team because I could see Wick coming out and they get value out of Wick and like ship them off in the first half of the season. I liked yeah. what I saw from Hughes. You know, then you have Manuel Rodriguez who gets got a decent amount of chances, had four saves in the second half. And then there's like you said, Mark Leiter, then Keegan Thompson, like what's his best role? You know? Yeah. And then and then you have Alzale. Is he going to just be a two, three inning man, or is he going to become closer? And then, and then you got the Venancio favorite, Jeremiah, oh. baby. I saw you picked him, and <laughs> I was like, I was hoping you wouldn't. Had him in my queue. Had him in my queue. Uh, I just realized I misspoke. Kimberl went from the the White Sox to the Dodgers, and that was at, like beginning of the year. So I'm a little buzzed. My bad. But then um, good. some other some other situations that shifted to fluid roles, and this was due to performance, really, was Arizona. Uh, Melanson was the primary guy to start the year. Mm-hmm. And then they announced kind of towards, uh, I think it was like August, early August, they uh, announced they intended to, to um, you know, go to a committee uh, that involved Ian Kennedy uh, splitting safe chances with Melanson. Um, and really... Uh, the one thing that was uh, kind of surprising to me when, as I was digging into 2022 was, was the Dodgers who, um, you know, they traded for Kimbrell early in the year. Um, they didn't really announce that he would be kind of removed from the closer role until late in the year. But if you look at the usage trends um, for who got saves, um, he really stopped getting the majority of the save opportunities in like July, like early July is when, um, I think he only got eight of the Dodgers last 22 or 24 saves. So really without announcing it, they kind of shifted from, a, you know, that primary closer usage to, to the, the more fluid um, uh, uh, closer role. Um, and, and it was deserved because just Kimber was just terrible. So I think, um, I think it falls underneath the radar because like, I mean, I'm looking at the second half, and it still only says, you know, like Kimball seven, Price two, Phillips one, like those guys, like Greater All one, Canley one. So, like, if someone had a decent chunk of of more of them, I feel like maybe more people would take notice. I don't know if that makes any sense. I guess because we we just saw the numbers con- consistently not add up for anybody else, right? It was just. Kimball yeah, was yeah. still, you yeah, know, exactly. if you just looked at the snapshot of the team, you saw Kimball still had pretty much most of the saves, but that's a good look. I didn't realize he had started to, I didn't realize it happened that early in the season. Yeah, me either. Um, you don't really look at that. Like that's something that just kind of the season just kind of passes you by and you don't really realize until you look more, kind of take a look back and we're like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, we all thought Evan, Evan Phillips, just the way he was pitching last year, he would he would step into more save opportunities, but he didn't. Like, you know, we went to Grad- Gratterall, got some. Chris Martin got some at the end of the year. Um, like you said, Price had a couple. Um, Yancey Almonte. Like, it was just, like, distributed yeah. between a bunch of guys. So, yeah, and uh, I, f- I thought that was really interesting. Yep. Yeah. Vessi and Phillips both had four wins in the second yeah. half of the season. So those guys were so valuable, even if you were just using them for, you know, strikeouts and ratios, they were pretty good. Um, 
interesting to see what they do. You think yeah. they bring anyone in, or you think they're just going to roll with the crew they have now this going forward? Yeah, I think they're going to bring someone in. Because um, mm. I think uh, I think Hudson's a free agent, I think. Um, yeah, um, and just Kimbrell's a free agent. I mean, they're just they're losing some arms. Price retired, so... Um, yeah, I think they're going to sign someone probably. Calling I, I it right now. I think they're. I'm calling a roll this to the Dodgers. A roll this? Oh my gosh. Okay. A roll this to the Dodgers. They need a lefty. Let's go. Let's rock. Interesting. The, they'll fix they it. They don't like Vasia? Alex Vasia? No, no. I think I think they like the role that he's in. You know, he's pretty. I mean, he can give him a little awesome too. He's, you know, he's he is, really he good. Is. He got 42 strikeouts in the second half on 25 innings, 25 and two thirds. So he, who is lights out. Um, but I don't know. You see, like, that's a little bit of a splash get. I think I think they're kind of team that, like, maybe there might be a little market, like, where it dips for Chapman, and they might just get him for, like, a pretty solid price, you know, and he just comes in. They fix him. They tweak him a little bit. Comes to stuff. All right, so is this a segue into the the, the free agent pitcher, relief yeah. pitchers for 2023? Because yeah. I have a, an opinion on Chapman, too. And uh, Ryan, I don't know what you think about Chapman, but I I just think he's coming off his his the worst ERA and WHIP of his career. He had this like random IL stint, like the most random reason ever, like <laughs> leg infection from a tattoo, like. And he was he was out for a while for from that, like like how long is it? Like take some amoxicillin or some shit. Like what are you doing? <laughs> um. And then he bailed on the Yankees for the playoffs, or maybe maybe they just didn't want him for the playoffs. So so I don't know. I think I'm not sure any any team's gonna sign him. I think he's gonna either retire. He's he's gonna be 35 years old. I don't know. I think I'm I'm pegging him for no team next year. What's uh, your guess, Ryan? I I think that the Dodgers are a decent guess. I think a, a heavy analytical team is gonna sign him. If I could see like the Rays getting him for like two mil. I could see like the Astros picking him up. I could see the Dodgers picking him up because the stuff Ooh, the is Astros, yeah. The stuff is one. the stuff is still there. Yeah. Um, he was still like touching a hundred at times. He still has nasty shit. The issue is the command. He's got nasty uh, shit. Yeah, he's got nasty <laughs> shit. He because Chapman used to be like all fastball type of guy. Now he's got like a splitter. He's got a slider he's got a couple pitches now i guess because the velocity isn't what it used to be so now he's got to you know mix in more pitches to still be effective and he was awful this year but i think there's still something left in the tank um so i i would think like an analytical team tries to get him super cheap for like a mill or two and they try to fix him because the command is just god awful the walk rate was just uh i mean that's why he was so bad it was walking everybody do you think teams though will look at the fact like how, you know, missing the workouts or whatever from you know for for the playoffs and be like, what the hell, man? Like, what? screw this guy. Like, we don't want this guy on our team. I think that this is my first point. I have I I'm not in his head. I'm just taking a guess, and not that he deserves this, but I feel like a lot of him must be like. I should have still been the guy. Like you should have stayed with me a little longer. I deserve the longer leash. You know, I'm of all this Chapman. I've been so good for so long. And maybe not getting that chance again 
just gives you a little disinterested. Not that you shouldn't honor your contract, pray for your team, pray hard. I'm not endorsing that, obviously. 100% don't agree with that. But some guys just can't deal with it. Maybe he just struggled with transitioning to a role where he wasn't, you know, the Cuban missile. Where he wasn't the guy. Maybe he lost identity a little bit. Maybe he got a little depressed. I don't know. Like, I'm just saying, I'm just spitting this stuff out that I feel like he's going to get another shot just because of that reason. I think that some team would say, hey, listen, you know, come into camp. You're the guy, you know, we'll give you the ball. I don't know. Oakland A's uh, next closer. Oakland A's, baby. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas A's, whatever whatever they're going to be. That would be cool. That would be a cool destination. All right, so what about um Edwin Diaz? Back with the Mets, yes or no? Go ahead, Ryan. I think they have too many needs to address that are more important than closer. Um, you know, they need to re-sign Nimmo. They have to worry about DeGrom. They have to worry about Bassett. They have to worry about um, who else is a free agent on that team? Is that it? I thought they had more than that. I guess Nimmo, DeGrom, Bassett are the three biggest. I don't, and I mean, Diaz is probably going to get what Chapman got, right? Didn't Chapman get like four years, 80 mil, something like that before he signed with the Yankees? He maybe didn't get that much money, but uh, I think. I, I think uh, he, I think it was 80 something. Yeah, it was 80 something. Yeah, four, four years, 80. Yeah, I, Diaz will get something in that range, maybe a little more than that because. He's going to uh, get 100. Yeah, yeah. He'll probably I think, get. yeah. Yes, uh, so I don't know. Maybe if the, the Mets don't get the Grom and, and Nimmo, they'll sign Diaz. But I, I think he goes uh, somewhere else. I I honestly think it's the Texas Rangers uh, that, that Ooh, would be the favorite for him because the Rangers are going to be going all in. You know, they got Bruce Bochy as a manager. They spent 500 mil the previous offseason. They're going to spend a, a ton again this offseason. And, you know, Bochy's old. He he had to. They had to have told him like we're gonna go for it all in the next two years. Like that's the only yeah. reason why he signed a three-year deal with them. Uh, so I think, uh, even though I've been drafting Joe Barlow in um, in DCs just in case they don't sign anyone, uh, I think if I think Edwin Diaz or Kenley Jansen go to uh, Texas, I like the Kenley call. I like the Kenley call, and I see if. Kishore goes and just like, you know, kind of gets him along to come, you know, I would hate to see it for my boy, Jose Leclerc though. I'm a big Leclerc guy. Always been a Leclerc guy. I feel like he did enough. to. He's like, got secure. a Leclerc's got the 6 million team option. So you that's think they lot, picked that though. up after this? hundred percent. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. hundred percent. That's a lot. That so, so they may not pick that up, even though he finished the season real strong. I mean, that Matt may have been was good, kind right? of addition to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really like Leclerc. I really like, I think they're going to scoop up Matt Moore again. I feel like they'll, I don't know. I don't know. I think Jan, I, I think, think Jansen's more of a shot than Diaz. I, I think Diaz is, I don't know. This is, I may be biased as a Met fan, but there's no way that Max Scherzer runs the Queens and signs his contract and then go backwards on him. I feel like he'll walk into there and choke slam any fucking guy he sees. Right? Like his, he he ran over to the Mets. Guaranteed they 
gave him some sort of a, we're going to try while you're here. And I don't see them setting up so much for the, I think people take out of context when he says, oh, like when he didn't trade for Wilson Contreras and he said, you know, he wants to keep this plan in fact, like, but the plan doesn't extend to not signing DeGrom and Diaz, you know, how do you, I don't know. It just seems hard that they would go backwards and not secure these two guys to go for it again, because you can find a balance between going for it and still, you know, keeping your farm or whatever. Um, yeah. And you, you've got the ownership there, you know, in New York to, to do it. And I think obviously it's going to be a big market team that that's going to be able to afford them. So you, you think about the Mets and um, which I think is the most likely scenario for, for Diaz, but you know, the Yankees could be big players to sign them. You know, maybe they throw in an extra year um, just to, you know, uh, sign them away from the Mets or or the Dodgers could even be an option too. So I think, I, don't know. I think, I think Trump had, um said no trade clause. I think they gave him a no trade clause. Yeah. He said he can't leave Shea. He can't, Shea. He can't leave Shea. <laughs> Trumpet. <laughs> Interesting uh, thing about Diaz because I just wrote up his um his uh outlook for Rotowire. Uh big mix big uh pitch mix change from last mm-hmm. year. Um threw his fastball nearly 20% less often. Yeah. Um he uses slider as his primary um opposing hitters, only hit 114 off his slider all season. I think he gave up 17 hits on the pitch all year, and 16 of those were singles. So uh be interesting to see if uh he keeps that 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 trend up um, going into 2023 with the, with the slider as his primary instead of his fastball. I was waiting for Jeremy Hefner to make some adjustments to Devin Diaz. I, I think he's one of the best pitching coaches in the league. Um, yeah. Jeremy Hefner. And um, yeah, I mean, they got the best out of Diaz last year. Uh, is it repeatable? It might be because of the pitch mix change, but um, I don't know. That's going to be, he, he's had a real up and down career, but his like, yeah, he had a 50, I believe he had a 50 save season before he even went to the Mets. 57 uh, saves. Yeah. yeah. 2018 with the Mariners. Yeah. Sick. So, and he didn't have a ton of saves last year just because of, I mean, save opportunities are sometimes just random luck, but um, ratio wise, he had the equivalent of a 57 win uh, save season. Uh, so, I mean, his highs are really high and his lows. Uh, I mean, we we've seen him. He didn't totally lose the job, but he's been bad before. So I don't know, locking him up for four or five years, would you do it? It yeah. seems a little risky, but the skills are definitely yeah. there. I think even like though... every other season he 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 has like ridiculous season and then he regresses because because the year after he had that 57 save season, you know, his first year with the Mets, um, he had a 559 ERA, 138 whips, he gave up 15 homers. So yeah, he just gave up a ton of homers. Uh, yeah, but, but he... every other every every even year he's uh performed really well. So. But that same year, he had a 263 Sierra. His BABIP was yep. 380. <laughs> and, like, yeah. you know, the Sierra matches pretty much all the other seasons except for this year. Obviously, it was super low this year. But the BABIP, 377. Um, the left on base was wonky. Uh, he just... It's still near 40% K rate that year. Right, too, right. So. Exactly. He was just still so good. Um, yeah, I, you know... I think he's like 29. I would give him, I'd give him the four or five year deal. 
like I said, if you if you're the Met, you're just gonna go for it, you know. And he had a fifty percent K rate. It's so 50%. sick. Fifty percent. So sick. It's just it's just the momentum, the fan base. Like I think they're factoring all this in. Like they're not the Will Pond. Like this guy gets it. Like he if if he, you know if he was present at the games, he felt the energy that Diaz brings. You know when he comes in, the whole stand gets behind him. I think people are not factoring that in enough about how much. They want to bring these guys back, and I think these guys do want to come back. You know, I, the whole team feels like they fell short, and I think they're gonna make another run at it. You know, I think Nimmo's gonna be the hardest one to get because I think that is gonna test their is he worth it versus what the market thinks he's worth kind of question. You know, um, I think that's gonna be the biggest one for the Mets to like really have to think hard about. I would love to have him back, but. Also, at the same time, like you know, that's if, if supposedly the Dodge, uh, the Rockies are going to offer him six for one twenty. You know, that's that's going to be tough for the Mets to match. But um, I think he's third on the checklist, and I think Bassett will come back on a nice, nice friendly deal. I think he loves the camaraderie and the competitiveness with him and you know Max and Scherzer. So, I mean Max and uh, Degrom, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. We got off the uh we got off the reliever relief train, but um Yeah, yeah, that's the only reason why I thought Diaz had a shot at going elsewhere because I just think DeGrom and Nimmo and Bassett are more important uh for the Mets to grab than Diaz. Not that Diaz is incredible, he is. But I mean uh, the Mets don't have a backup at center field. Marte is not a center fielder. Uh and if you lose Bassett and DeGrom, I mean that's like you need a whole new pitching staff. Right. Right. But, like, they're, they're missing a lot of their bullpen, too. So I feel like they'll be more inclined to, like, lock Diaz in and figure out how to fill and, you know, patch behind that instead of maybe having to get three different, four new relievers, you know, because Adovino, Seth Lugo, and Trevor May, they're all they're all free agents, too, man. They need everything. Okay, yeah, I miss those guys too. They have, yeah, they have a shit ton of free agents. This year. They do. That they have a lot of questions for sure. Um, Rafael Montero, he had a pretty good season as filling in for Presley. Um, I think maybe Neris was the popular choice before the season started, but uh, Montero proved he was the guy that was next up. He becomes a free agent. Um, I don't know. What do we think? Do we? Th- I mean, he's thirty-two. I f- didn't think he was that old. I, uh, man, it seems like yesterday he was a Mets prospect. Former you Mets know? prospect. Yeah. 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 It's pretty crazy. Um, but I don't know. Like, I kind of looked at Presley's situation, see how much he signed for. Um, and you know he's only a year older. It's not because it feels like Ryan Presley's so much older than him. But I don't know. Like, it is is. Is Montero a guy the Astros give enough to to be like just a part of the pen, or will some team give him a little more to be the closer? Um, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think, I, think uh, so. I think he'll be too pricey to to return to the Astros, especially just how deep they are already with Brian Abreu really kind of emerging last season. He, that 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 dude's a stud. Um. Presley's so good. Naris is 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 there for a few seasons. So 
yeah, I think they'll let Montero walk. He's 32 years old. Um, it's clearly his, you know, career year. Uh, and while he was good, uh, I think that was, I think that was almost intentional. Like, like let's, uh, you know, give him the same opportunities over Neris, um, you know, and someone else will sign him uh, next season. But um, I don't know. There's a, there's a couple different teams I think would be interesting for Montero. We talked about Texas earlier. Um, you know, he's kind of been, um, you know, in the, in the AL West uh, between uh, Seattle and Houston the past couple of years, I think it'd be interesting in Texas or even Oakland. You could see them signing them. Um, otherwise, uh, a couple other teams I was thinking about for Montero, you know, if not to be their full-time closer, but just uh, to be a, a depth option in the pen who can close games would be uh, the Phillies or, or the Mets uh, where he started his career. Um, mm. You know, you mentioned uh, um, Rob, you know, they're losing out they're losing uh, uh, Lugo um, and they may not lose. They may resign him, you know, but uh, you know, I wonder if they, uh, consider Montero as if they don't resign Diaz, you know, brand Montero is a, is a cheaper option as part of a, mm. you know, mm-hmm. still, uh, you know, capable of saving games, but um, he's an interesting one. Cause you know, he like, I, I just feel like he could close for like, like a random team, you know, like the A's or something like that. But I could also see him being in the mix for like Philadelphia or something, you know, since they're kind of like a, kind of a quasi committee right now right yeah, speaking of random team i think i think he goes to like a team like the angels team with a bad bullpen yeah. uh he's gonna cost less than diaz and jansen and the angels badly need like a really good reliever uh so i i think they'd go after montero and make him the closer how much so like so last year so last year jansen got 16 mil um, Iglesias' AAV is 14 and a half. Nebel, Knebel, how do you say that guy's name? I always say it wrong. Knebel? I say Knebel. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think, I think it's Corey Knebel. I think it's Corey Knebel. All right, Corey Knebel. Yeah, he signed for so. 10 mil to be, you know, maybe the closer. We never really got to, <laughs> to see. To be a shit bag. Um, yeah, to be a bag of shit. Neris, eight and a half. Joe Kelly, eight and a half. Uh, Kendall Graveman, eight mils. So, like, w- w- where do we? So, where does Montero fall? So, he get like 12? Two years, 13 mil. Uh, 13 a piece or 13 total? No, 13 years to 13. 13 okay. Total. So, a little bit then, a, a little bit less than a glass. Is. Okay. I, I can see that. Yeah. Look at, look at Melanson last year. He was, he led the league in saves in 2021, was 30, what, 35 at that point. He signed two years, 12 million. Mm-hmm. For the Diamondbacks, so I mean, I think that's probably a reasonable guess for Montero. I mean, he's already, you know, approaching his mid thirties, so no one, no team's probably going to give him a three, four year deal. But I could see two, three years, you know, six and a half, six million <laughs> a year. Still funny because Ryan just mentioned um, the Angels, right? And I'm looking at this list. Last year, they signed um, Iglesias. They signed Aaron Loop, right, for two years, 17 mil, so eight and a half a year, and Tapera for two for 14, so seven million <laughs> in their bullpen. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it, it was that's a lot of money to dump on. It's a like pretty big investment in the bullpen for yeah. 
a pretty yeah, poor I mean, year. Tapera and Loop are like fine, but they're not guys you sign to multi-year deals. No, and they're not the guys to like help Otani and Trout win. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey guys, listen, no, we got the plan not. this year. We're gonna call Loop in, Aaron Loop. Okay, <laughs> gonna bring you guys to the promised land. Oh God, that's it. I'm re-signing. That's, that's yeah. like going through like, our yeah, great. We got Loop. I mean, yeah. I'm in. Yeah, we got Loop. We got a submarine. Oh, slot lefty, lefty specialist. Baby. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Got good tunneling. Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Montero, we got a couple of uh, ideas about. What about David Robertson? Um, he get another decent shot to be the guy on the team? Possibly. He's going to be 38 next year. Uh, really struggled in the second half. Uh, 137 whip after the all-star break or after the trade deadline. Um, 6.2 walks per nine uh, after he was traded to the Phillies too. So um, probably showing his age a little bit, maybe uh, a, a cheaper deal with, uh, you know, one of the teams that he was with before, like the Yankees, maybe the Rays. I don't know. Um, I don't think he'll be heavily sought after though. And I wouldn't be counting on him. Like we're talking about like draft champions leagues, right? I, I'm, he's not something I'm, he's not somebody I'm touching. Like, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be uh super um, get, get a ton of save opportunities next year, whoever he signs with. Is there a chance he resigns with the Cubs? I and mean, just, and I mean, they just do the whole like thing them. again. They liked them last year. I mean, uh, they have a that that annual trend of signing a guy for one year and then trading him off at the deadline. I mean, they did it with uh, you know past two years, um, Kimbrel and and Robertson. So yeah, for sure. Interesting spot he's in right idea. now. ADP three fifty one. Right, David Robertson. Herget is three fifty one. Uh, three fifty two. Um, Krinchak three fifty three. Kimbrel three fifty five. Interesting spot right there. So who would you rather have out of that group, Ryan? Roof? Robertson, Herget, Karinchak, and Kimbrell. Who you got? I don't want any of those guys. <laughs> it's not the game. <laughs> Maybe Karinchak is for the strikeout upside. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jigsaw will I, chop yeah. your ankle. What's that? Round 20? What's that? Round 23-ish? Yeah, I don't want I don't want any of those guys there. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you think about you're filling out your roster at that point, right? You're like you're trying yeah. to like get your like full starting, you know, all your starting hitters. Like, I'm not gonna spec on a on a guy like that there. It's a weird spot in ADP. It's just a bunch of guys are like, are you gonna stay in this range or why are you here? There's so many names where it's just really, really, you know, tough to see. Some of these guys, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd ha- I'd have to take Robertson out of that group, just because I don't I don't like her. Get uh, Karachek's not going to save unless Classe uh, falls off a cliff, and um, who else was it? Robertson, Jeff. her get Kimbrel. Sorry, Kimbrel. Oh, and Kimbrel. If the Dodgers can't fix Kimbrel, you can't. He's unfixable. So <laughs> Kimbrel's gar Kimbrel's garbage. I think from a skills perspective, right? Like you, you look at who we were, who we were like, even in main events, like 
like who who out of the non-closer relievers we were rostering like towards the end of the year just for ratio support strikeouts i mean it was phillips it was karen shack it was you know a lot of those guys so i mean i could i think just from a skills perspective i think i think karen jack's probably the most valuable but you know if if robertson signs with a team like the cubs again like you know you're getting at least a half a season of value there for not super costly uh draft pick so hmm. what do you think rob where's robertson signing oh man I'm going to go with the Yankees. I think the Yankees don't have an idea of which way they want to go. Um, I feel like Holmes can be the guy again, but I don't know. I don't know if they feel that way about him. I feel like they might sign one veteran that they could maybe push him to be better, you know, and just plug in. I don't know what Michael King comes back as. They have Weiziger, um Marinaccio. He was but... the first team. That was the first team I thought of for Robertson, just because Efros just had TJ. Yep. They're losing Chapman. They're losing um uh Trevino is coming back with them, right? Who the hell uh who the hell else? Yeah, yeah I think Tra- I think Trevino's still under contract. I took a stab at him late because they did mess around with his pitch mix. And it, it seems like they that that he got into the zone a little more with the Yankees than he than he was with Oakland and maybe pitching a little more to contact. So he could he could be a sneaky like I don't know. I just can't get enough of Luge Luge Trevino, but I don't know. Maybe the Yankees. I don't know. Maybe it's not the stab they take, but I feel or or I don't know. I feel like maybe he. I feel like he's gonna go to a team that has a chance of winning. I don't think he's gonna go to. Uh, like a rebuilding team as a fill-in closer, maybe uh, the Red Sox, you know, some team where it's just going to be a decent price for that team, maybe like a value in their eyes. And he has a, yeah, you know, eight has to 12 history. saves, maybe yeah. like, yeah, veteran playoff, you know, tested. So yeah, yeah, definitely one of those teams for sure. I mean, yeah. The Yankees are a good guess. Now he used to, how long did he pitch for the Yankees for? He was there for a while. Right, right. There's, there's a little bit of that history. So you know, so you know they like him, right? Well, maybe he's a Dodger guy. You know, I don't know. It's tough. I feel like they have better options than him. You know, but uh, I guess it all depends when these guys sign too, right? Because someone's gonna get a deal when you're like, oh, this this pitcher is just as good as this pitcher, and and someone sets the bar and someone sets the market. You know, uh, teams will pounce immediately after that um what about craig kimball you guys think he's closing next year and if so with a bad team a good team him i see him going to a shitty team he might be the next i had the cubs for him um okay all right just going back to the cubs just because he was that's where he had his most recent success um i don't know he's been pretty bad so He's not somebody yeah. I'm I'm targeting, but he could be one of those guys that's an extreme value where he's going, you know, in the mid twenties of a fifteen team DC. Um, he's the active, you know, saves leader right now. So <laughs> Shit. I don't know. Can't fucking mute that when you blast your mic with the water bottle. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Yeah, I'm just worried about Kimbrell because he's 34. Uh, the whiff rate on his four-seamer and curveball both fell off a cliff. He lost a mile per hour of velo on his fastball. Uh, strikeout rate plummeted. And again, if the Dodgers can't fix him, I don't know mm. who else could. I mean, look what the Dodgers did with Andrew Haney and Tyler Anderson and Evan Phil Evan Phillips got uh, released by the Orioles. Like, and they turned him into an elite reliever. Like, if they if the Dodgers can't fix you, uh, I don't know who else could. It's a good point. Good point. Yeah. yeah, good point. Yep. They make fucking Bickford look like a stud too. <laughs> um, Taylor Rogers, uh, does he get another chance to close? I think he does. Yeah, for sure. At least, at um, least, at least a sixty forty guy. You know, at least because I I feel like he's always been, you know, the Twins. He was always like sixty five thirty five. The guy, you know, I feel like he could still be that guy. I know he had some rough games with Milwaukee, but he's another guy too. Like where the estimators were a lot kinder to what he actually pitched. Um, got a little unlucky in his outings, definitely with the long ball, but I don't know. I feel like he's still an arm that can give you some quality back end innings. And I picked him in um, our latest draft, Ryan. Um, Cause I got him again, in our first draft. Yeah, um, you did. Right. Okay. Slightly better price in around 25. 100%. Uh, Humble brags there, but yep. Yeah. No, I that, completely agree on Rogers. I think he gets another chance to close somewhere. Uh, and and even if he's you know a sixty forty guy, I mean he's proven in the past that he's still a valuable asset to your fantasy team as a you know y- your ninth pitcher, eighth or ninth pitcher, even if he's not getting a full share of saves. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he lands because um, he was the he was the one um, out of the list here that you you gave us that I was like not really sure because I know like. There were some rumors about the Mets. You know, if they don't re-sign Diaz, could he go there? Um, I don't know. Uh, but I think I think he's still got something left, um, even though he kind of fell off a cliff in the second half. Um, you know, even before, a little bit before the second half, even with, uh, you know, when he was still closing for the Padres, he was starting to struggle there before he got traded. But, uh, yeah, I like Rodgers for sure. Yeah, you yeah, did my... get him like six rounds later than me. You already had two good closes too, and I think he just he just felt like he just fell at a great spot. I I was a little more um, anxious to get a second guy because at yeah. that point you had started off with Jansen Seawald and the other draft. I didn't have really anything until Fairbanks, and even then I'm not counting on too much from him. But I know how to piece it together. So that was a reach. That was a uh, uh you know. And I think at the at that point too, um, one guy in front of me wasn't set up. Was I think ready for like another closer? So I just jumped on it. But who knows? I'll take fifteen, fifteen and fifteen from two guys. Us, you know, low expectations to start the season. That's it. I mean, look at that. I'm looking at that draft and the closers, the the relievers that went right before you took them in the nineteenth round. I mean, Chapman. Uh, Dylan Floro. I mean, I'd much rather have Rodgers than both of those guys. So, yeah, Finnegan, Leclerc. I mean, give me Rodgers all day. Yeah, yeah ro- I mean, Rodgers obviously has a solid past. My one concern with him would be that uh, his fastball was horrible last year. 
Um, and he's a two-pitch pitcher, so if his fastball is bad again next year, he's just going to be bad again. Um, and another thing, it's hard to have a left-handed closer. Um, obviously, he, he hasn't been like a full-time closer for a lot of his career because he's a lefty. So he's used when, you know, a team has left, left, right, like he'll pitch the ninth inning. Um, and that's like nowadays when when a lot of teams have like right-handers on the bench, he's going to see a lot more right-handed hitters. And if you look at his career, um, his lefty-righty splits uh, against lefties, he has a 36% K, two FIP. Against righties, he has a 25% K, a 3.57 FIP. So he's like significantly worse against uh, right-handed hitters. And obviously because he's a two-pitch pitcher, he's just sinker slider. So that's mm. not, it's just not going to play well against right-handed batters. So I think, and on top of that, he lost a mile an hour of velo. His command was shaky last year. Uh, he's a bounce back candidate because, you know, if the command comes back, he gains the, uh, the mile power of velo. I could see him being decent, but uh, I'm just not sure he's the closer. Um, Richard just didn't know what the just v- like. At all those points stuff. were were fucking spot on. Actually, I didn't. I didn't realize the velo went down, but you know what? It it kind of went. I mean, it was ninety four eight, ninety four six, ninety five eight last year, and then back to ninety four three. So it's almost like only he's back to like his previous years. You know, I don't know why he threw that much harder last year. Um, but that definitely yeah, his whiff rate thing. on his fastball was higher last year too, which is interesting. Um, hmm. but yeah, fast, gave yeah, way more... just got yeah, it's got pummeled on contact. Yeah, it got pummeled on contact exactly. Ooh, pummeled yeah, on great contact. Points, that's a good that's t-shirt. Good stuff, yeah. <laughs> contact. Oh, yeah, that's I a think great... I pe- people really overlook the lefty closer thing because you look at a lot of guys that close for years. It's generally right-handed pitchers. Yeah, Hater Rogers. It kind of been Jake McGee one year. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Chapman. Chapman. Good old Chappie. All right. What about um anybody on this list that you guys want to call out uh as possible to Adovino, Tommy Canley, Lugo May, Britton, Canable, Will Smith had a team option, I think. Um, Michael Givens, the mutual option, Carlos Estevez, Andrew Chafin, Brett Boxberger, um, Pierce Johnson, anybody on this, Anthony Bass, any guys have a uh chance of becoming a closer on a team, or do you just really just like the late speculative guys that were going to be thrown out at dawn maybe in late DCs? I like Matt Moore. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think uh, I think from a if we're if the, we're talking about the context of DCs, I just think uh, you know the way he pitched last year, the number of innings. You know, he did get some saves for the Rangers. So if he like, even if he reups with them, he could, you know, potentially get more opportunities, especially if they don't pick up the team option on Leclerc. Um. I think out of the list, I, I know you didn't really mention him by name, but I think I like him from your list uh, most, I think, out of the the other free agents in 2023. Chafin had a good season for the Tigers, too. I think he just uh, – I think he opted out. Um, I think we just had a note on him at Rotowire. Um, he could be pretty interesting for, for someone like the 
Like if he goes to a crappy team, like he was with the A's before. Chafin going to the Mets, baby. Read it. That'd be a great t- signing. I was them. tired yeah. of seeing Jolie Rodriguez, and I think that's one thing they addressed is 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 getting Chafin. That's yeah. a really good call. Yep. Yeah. I think he's going to be part of the puzzle. He'll probably replace May was terrible last year. I feel like Lugo will give a little bit of a nice hometown discount to come back as just being part of the band. But, I mean, I don't know if he replaces Adovino because Adovino was good last year, but I don't know how much they're going to think they want to throw on him. But I like getting Chafin. But uh, that's a good call for Chafin, even if he doesn't go to Nevada. If some team wants to make him the guy, I mean – I don't know. I was tempted yeah. to take him a couple times just in draft season so far, but I didn't pull the trigger. This dude, if he, I was looking at his Rotowire page, he's pitched for the, <laughs> the Diamondbacks, Cubs, A's, and the Tigers. Like, I'm sure he would welcome a, <laughs> a shot with the Mets. Seriously, right? All the shitty teams he's been on throughout his career. How about you, Benesha? Um... You got a guy you want to throw out as possibly a dark shot, like a dark horse? This guy might close. Yeah, I, I think if Robert Suarez opts out, I think he's got closer stuff. Oh, 100% um, he does. I think yeah, if, for sure. if uh, someone signs him and wants to make him the closer, because San Diego, he was the closer to, at the very beginning of the year. I mean, he blew a save yep. uh, against the Diamondbacks because he, he just couldn't locate, couldn't throw a strike. Um, but he was going to be their closer. And um, anyway, there's 100. He's got really good stuff. Uh, the command got better as the year went on. I'm sure he was just, you know, getting more comfortable. He pitched overseas for a couple of years, and he was back in the States this year. So maybe it was just like a comfort thing. I don't know. I think uh, if he's going in like 40, 45th round in DCs, which I, I would expect him to go, I think that's a, that's a pretty good speculative ad before he signs somewhere. Yeah, from August on, 148 ERA, 103 whip, 32 strikeouts, 24 and a thirds. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's a great I call. Was, yeah, I, I, I stashed him in the main event like two weeks ahead of him rehabbing from injury, you know, um, and like when he'd come back and be the guy and then they traded for a hater. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's ADP 470 right now, right next to Johnny. Okay, so he's going. He's going way higher than I thought he'd go. Yep, yep, he is. He's going right next to Johnny Schreiber. Another the red, the red another bullpen stud right there. Yeah. Also next to Nick Martinez, so it's interesting because Nick Martinez can uh, opt out. Right, they're gonna have a lot of question marks in that in that pitching staff in general. You know. Yeah. Because I think I think Nick I think Nick Martinez is gonna start again. You know, so do I. Yeah, that's why. It's that's why I've taken him. I um, may have got him twice. I think I wait. Definitely got him once. I may have got him twice. No, I I only got him on the one team, but I definitely had him in the queue on the second team. But like maybe I should diversify a little bit. But I think he's gonna start. He's a, so Martinez is thirty two. He's got a six and a half million dollar player option this year or this coming year and twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five. So, given his age, I don't know. I probably I wonder if he. I wonder if he takes that. Stick with the Padres. I don't know. Yeah, just stick with the. It'll Padres. be interesting to see yeah. if he if he gambles on himself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably get more than that on the open market as a starter. But 
Um, I'm not sure. It's a good question. He was so much better as a reliever, though. He was. Wasn't he? He was. But I, he he wasn't terrible as a starter. Uh, yeah. But it, he's got like it's... a full he's got like a full mix too. He's got like a full five pitch mix. Um, he does have uh, the starter sure. mix. Yep. Yeah, I, I would I would think he's a start. I mean, obviously he's a five starter. I'm not saying he's going to be like a like a two three legit starting pitcher, but I, I would see him more as like a four or five starter than a a seven eight inning guy. But those guys are valuable because he can be in either role. Yep. So I would think he gets more than six million on the open market, but you might be right; he might not. Yeah, I think I think just his just just his versatility gives him value. I think you're absolutely right, and that's why I thought like he was a decent pick at like four seventy five because you know if he starts, he gives you you know a guy you can throw in every now and then to start, and if he just lands in any type of leverage or the swingman role or where he you know no they utilize him well. Um, well, think of how much later he's going than than Garrett Whitlock. I right, mean, he's going like nine, ten rounds later than Whitlock, and you know, with similar flexibility, he's probably just as good. Like, hmm. good comp. Day. I like that comp right there. Yeah, yeah. Nice one. All right, so Suarez, that's a good call out too. I think everyone else on this list is just going to be uh, possible. Um, just a guy. Just a guy. So I, I I looked at the ADP from last year's early draft from October to December. Um, and just to give you a quick look, Ryan Helsley, Felix Batista, um, Alexis Diaz, Jimmy Herget, um, Jason Adam, John Schreiber, Brandon Hughes, Matt Moore, Wandy Prather, and Domingo Acevedo. They all had four more saves. Um, Moore with five, Hughes with eight, Schreiber eight, Jason Adam eight, Herget nine, Alexis Diaz ten. And Batista and Helsley had a good chunk as well. So those were not drafted at all in our, in like, you know, just the time frame right now when people are drafting. It's a whole bunch of saves that just fell. And obviously last year was a little different because of, you know, lockout stuff. But um, who who are your favorite or just like a guy in that late range that you might be looking at this year? You have a guy that's kind of uh, popping up. As that guy, I think I mentioned earlier, or maybe before we started recording, but I I grabbed Dylan Tate. He's kind of been my just backup to uh, Batista. He showed that when he you know got thrown in there, he could be the guy. He's been a late round stab for me, and um, Michael King as well. I don't know, just and Eric Swanson. He's always uh, he's a stud, and I just feel like just trying to get some guys that think that might fall into some saves late round but do you um what about you guys so my i'll let next ryan go first because i went a ton so <laughs> my... <laughs> like like 30 relievers on, on my list so. <laughs> so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with a ray uh and a yankee my ray is next year's jason adam aka reliever no one's ever heard of uh calvin Fout voucher or Faucher, I don't even know how to say his name. Oh, Faucher, um, okay. Uh, he's a raised reliever. He has, like, top 10 stuff in Major League Baseball. Um, and just has, you know, crap command. Uh, I took him in the 50th round in my last DC. You know, just, nice. like, take a stab. Why not? Um, and it's kind of like, a, you know, like a Clay Holmes kind of thing where, um, you know, 
Clay Holmes had really good stuff in Pittsburgh, but awful command. And with relievers, um, you're really just hoping the command gets to a point where it's passable, and then that's when they really break out. Um, so, Fauchier, again, I don't even know how to say his last name, F-A-U-C-H-E-R. He just really pops to me as a guy with uh, elite stuff that if the command gets to passable enough, he's going to be used like a Jason Adam where, you know, he gets an occasional save. He pitches high leverage. Um, and then World my Yankees is got... over. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, World yeah. Series Astros is over. One. Yep. Astros won. Damn. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, congratulations, Houston Astros. All right, boys. Baseball is done, man. Shit. We're going to watch Mac now. Cashing in. Uh, all right, sorry, man. I uh, who's your next guy up? That's okay. Uh, my next guy is Greg Weiser, uh, on the Yankees. He was uh, a closer, <laughs> he was a cl- I dude on relievers. I go deep because I'll take like uh, you know, two guys at the top that I think are no doubt relievers, and then I wait late, late to get my guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, you know, you're passing up on so many good players and so many, like, uh, innings eaters, you know, like the Zach Police, Zach, Corey Kluber starting pitchers for, uh, you know, relievers that might not close. I want to take those guys really late because if I'm going to miss, I'd rather miss with a bench guy that, you know, isn't isn't going to kill me. Uh, so Greg Weissert's another probably 50th round. I, I would be surprised if anyone's even drafted him in a D.C., uh, but he was the Yankees' uh, closer in AAA. Uh, I believe even closed in AA as well. And he just really pops on the, you know, stuff plus sheet. Um, and, you know, not this doesn't correlate to every team. But if a team is using a guy as a closer in AA and AAA, and you, we know the Yankees have had issues with closers at the major league level, uh, if Clay Holmes isn't isn't great again next year. Maybe they give Weissert uh, a shot. Very interesting. That's um, don't have any of those guys on my radar, but uh, deep dive later. Weissert has not been drafted in 12 DCs thus far, at least completed DCs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great name too. Cause they, he was a late, he was a late call up for the Yankees. And, and uh, I remember writing him up uh, just because, because he closed for, uh, you know, their, their triple a team. Um, and you know, with Holmes was out, Chapman was struggling. They just needed relief help. So yeah, he could absolutely step into an, a really important role for them next year, especially if they don't, they don't really sign anyone major. Um, you know, if they miss out on Edwin Diaz or, um, Jan, even Jansen, um, you know, he could play a, a really important high leverage role. So those are great names. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I play a ton of deep dynasty leagues. So I need to know these guys. Whereas yeah. normal people that just like these things <laughs> are never, are never going to draft Greg Weiser or Calvin Fochier. So fortunately anyone who's listening to this podcast is not normal. So <laughs> <We're all laughs> rare breed. I play, I'm in, I'm in two 30 team dynasty leagues oh, so and I deep. scoop these guys. Yeah. These guys aren't even rostered in those leagues. Uh, so I picked up, I, I have a couple other guys too, but I'm, I mean, in that deep of a league, um, like how many, like how many of those kind of guys do you have on, like, on rosters? Like, how many 
does like every team have one of those type of guys or you're not going to carry more than one like random deep dude on your team? Uh, you? Well, they're fifth. It's 50 player rosters. And 30. Uh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot like Christian bet. When I discovered Christian Bethancourt, no one had him. Right. So, like uh, that, that kind of cool. guy I picked up. Um, Do you share, have, I like, picked up and there's broken down like active minors. Is there like X amount of minors? The 20 minors guys or. Um, you actually you have to have is it um, broken down? You don't have you don't have to have a certain amount of minor league players. It's just fifty okay. play like you obviously can have minor leaguers, but you don't have to have a certain you could break you could like break down your major league bench and minors however you want. Okay, cool. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. A little so let's put one. this in perspective for, for the listeners. If you in a draft champions fifteen team fifty round, you're drafting seven hundred and fifty people. In Venancio's dynasty leagues, you're drafting double that. <laughs> like, Dude, yeah, I you took know, ten. a lot of those are minors guys, but man, Holy it's just I, yeah, it's a lot. I took Ward. I took Ward with my 11, 1100th pick last year. I think. Oh my god! I think I took him with like I was at the thousandth pick or the eleven hundredth pick, something like that. It's crazy. It's crazy. crazy deep, yeah. That's that's sick. That's deep, deep. All right, deep dives, DCs, late relievers, I like. Um, so rounds 30 to 40, give you a couple names. Daniel Hudson um, hopes to be ready for opening day. He had the you know, injury for the Dodgers, um, free agent. So obviously he's going to sign somewhere. I could definitely see him re-signing with the Dodgers. Um, he is with, oh wait, team option for next year. I think they already exercised that, so... So I think he's back with the Dodgers. Um, Chris Martin, he had the best walk rate among uh, qualified relievers last year. Um, so uh, he's someone I really like. Um, Jose Alvarado, um, best K rate of his career, 14.3 strikeouts per nine. Swing strike rate spiked significantly, 17% last year. Um, you know, Phillies don't sign anyone. You know, he's always in the mix for saves. Uh, he was with the Rays. Um, just got, I just remember the the one, uh, like, gif of him just throwing that nasty pitch that, like, went, like, the opposite way. It was just sick. Dude, his cutter. Um, so I really like Alvarado. His cutter is, like, one of the best pitches uh, in baseball. It's a yeah, joke it's just, how good, it's just it's a nasty. joke how good that is. Yeah. 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 Um, and he really – he really he had like a really good whip or whip for, for him uh last year. I think it was one one two two. So um so yeah, I, I really like Alvarado as a spec. Um and then between rounds 30 and 40, um I'm really looking at AJ Minter because um, you know, we saw a decline from Rysel Iglesias uh when he was with the Angels last year. He obviously got traded to the Braves, um, was much better there. Um and we're assuming, you know, the Braves acquired him to, to kind of be their 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 long-term closer. You know, can we a free agent? We don't know, you know, who really is going to be their closer next year. But if, you know, Glacius declines, you know, even more than he did last year, Minter was just really, really good. He's closed before. Um, he was among the league leaders in the holds category. So, so I really like Minter, you know, between rounds 30 and 40. And then um, in the last 10 rounds, um, 
first two DCs I've done this year, there's just plenty of relievers uh, after round 40. You could, you, that could easily step into saves. Um, talked about Trevino earlier. He, he went in round 49 in the last DC, like it's basically free. Um, other guys I really like um, in that range, TJ Antone coming back from, mm. from injury last year. Uh, Tony Santillan, who earned the first save of the MLB season last year, um, just kind of randomly. Uh, and then he, you know, had some back injuries. So a little concerning there on that perspective, but he was another round 50 guy in my last DC. So um, a couple of reds I really like. Um, Zach Jansen, excuse me, Zach Jackson from the A's. Mm -hmm. He was among the AL leaders and holds last year. Um, you know, if they don't really sign anyone, you definitely step into the role. Matt Festa from the the Mariners is someone I really like. And then two twins, um, Giovanni Moran and then Jorge Alcala, who I really liked last year. Um, we'll see if he can reemerge in 2023 as a, you know, if he proves he's healthy. So Alcala, oh, those are some he, guys that I like. He's been he's been that guy yeah. like that, you know, for like three years now. That possible, you know. One of these years, he's going to have a season. And he's just, everyone's going to be like, see, we knew we had it in him, be all in, and then just go back to being terrible. What, yeah. hap what happened to him? He uh, he got hurt, right? hurt early yeah. last year. I think it was like, uh, he, he pitched like two innings, and then um, I think it was an elbow injury. So He didn't um, get like major surgery. He's still going to, he should be back. Arthroscopic debridement surgery, whatever that is, so. The movement, yeah. All right. I don't know. Yeah. But, All uh, right. yeah, he's he's been kind of the guy we've been talking about for years, and who knows? But they, you know, obviously they traded for Jorge Lo Jorge Lopez. Yoan Duran's been really good. Um, but who knows what his role is gonna be next year. So maybe Alcala is just kind of that round 50 flyer you'd take if you're really looking into looking really deep, desperate for saves. It's fun. It's fun. It, it's really fun taking some guys at the end. You know, I enjoy. I enjoy. Trying yeah, I've to get, I've noticed. Yeah. Um, I've noticed in the DCs, there's like I have a list of like ten guys at the in round fifty mm -hmm. that I could. I'm like, this could be like. So I'm just diversifying now, like between all those guys. Like I'll just I'll pick uh, Trevino in one. I'll call in the next. You know, Centian in the next. Um. There's definitely yeah. a lot of late round, post forty round relievers that are that are really good that you can just plug in if you have injuries, you know, DCs like we all deal with. So, yep, that's why uh, I think with me so far, really, it's been the Yankees. I've been I took a sh multiple shots with just their <laughs> late round guys. You know, I have Trevino, Loizaga. I think I got in round forty one, and um, Michael King. You know, to I just need one of them to have a good stretch of ten or so saves, you know, at that at that price. Um, I sent you guys. Wait, Peralta's another one who's got yeah. had a handful of saves the past couple of years, around fifty ADP. So, and we yeah. sort like uh, Ryan mentioned is a great one too. I think I shared with you guys um, the overall winners last last ten picks. So the the draft champion overall winner last year. His last 10 picks in his draft were Geraldo, 
Perdomo, then Jorge Lopez, who got a shit ton of saves. Johan Duran, who got saves and beautiful ratios. Ryan Helsley, <laughs> saves, beautiful ratio. Then Hans Alberto, Jake McCarthy. Wow. Riley Adams, Aramis Garcia, then Vinny Pastantino, and Jose Clark. So four very good save options from Sick. 40 on. Like, just absolutely crushed it. Like, even you know he and he had good closers up at the top too, so they were just they just added to that, you know. So really, just see what's available late, you know. Um, I still think I like getting him early too, you know. I think those are just insurance and just uh, you know if you didn't take two guys at the top, you're just trying to take more like more stabs than if you would have have some you know better closes up at the top, but it's fun. It's really, I think my favorite part of draft champions is trying to get a late closer, you know, it's fun. Yeah. One of the things I found in uh, looking back at 2022 saves is, is there's a lot of like unused saves, like Mm. guys, we don't time well, like guys who will pick up a couple saves, but like by the time he's on anyone's fantasy radars, like it, it's like he had his save for the year or two. So um, at minimum, it's like 20% of the saves um, are, aren't fantasy relevant basically. Um, So I thought that was kind of interesting, but I'm with you. Like, like the early saves, I mean, when only 64 guys are getting five or more saves a year, you know, and throughout the year, I mean, I'm going to target saves early and then just use those last five rounds for, for specs and hope to hit on one or two of them. There should be like one spot, like it's roto everything, but one spot is like a relief pitcher, best ball option, you know? And it's just like, even <laughs> if he's on your bench, it just takes the most saves of a guy on the bench. Cause I feel like you're right. There's so many times where you just don't time it or where you just feel like, ah, you know, um, yeah, he might get the look, you know, uh, maybe the closer went Saturday, Sunday. So you're thinking like, oh, this guy going to get a shot Monday or Tuesday, you know, like a Michael Fulmer type or anyone who's next in line. And there's a lot of weeks where I did that, you know, thinking that, uh, especially on teams where I needed saves and like, nope, he didn't get a shot at the save, you know, and it's, but then there's weeks where that works. So um, best ball, one spot relief pitcher, the rest roto. I think it's, I think it's something. Um Make, <laughs> but um, all right, so let's get into some quick. Let's move off the relief pitchers, unless you guys are done talking about that. Um, I wanted to ask you some quick ADP player battles that I wrote down right now, um, in draft champions. So, um, for power, you got Jorge Soler at 299 and Fran Mill Reyes at 301. Um, Soler or Reyes, Venancio. Uh, Soler. I don't. I, I don't even really think it's close. Um, Soler's guaranteed. Soler's guaranteed playing time. Uh, Fran Mill now has two seasons in a row with over a thirty-two percent strikeout rate, and I don't think he is even close to guaranteed playing time. Um, and when you're picking in the top three hundred, you basically need to take someone you know is going to play. Uh, I don't know if Fran Mill's going to play, and I also don't know if he's going to be good. At least I know Soler when he's healthy is going to play. Yep, Ryan said it best. Same I thing, agree. right? 
I'm surprised he's actually up this high, Reyes. Um, yeah, I would not think his ADP would even be close to that. I mean, he hit, he hit 220 last year, and he stunk. Why is he, why yeah. is he 300 ADP? Yep. Well, he's got two 30 homer seasons on his resume within the last four years, so that's, that's probably thing, why right? it's up there. Yeah, and, I think and, that's why. He's up you know, there, we're so right? focused on power too. Like, like I mean, power was the biggest thing I missed on last year. So at that point in the draft, I mean, you're, you know, trying to get what you can. So you're chasing the upside basically, and he's only 26. So. I don't know. Maybe there's something left. I don't know. But I agree with Solaire. Yeah. I, I, there's obviously a chance Reyes could be decent. I would just think there'd be more. I mean, where did he go? It's not like he went like so much higher last year. No. Was he a top 200 pick last year? Um, Last year? I don't know. Uh, I didn't draft him, so I really don't know. Sorry, but Reyes I, I would... was 27. My bad. Fran Mill, Fran Mill. Hold on. Let me bring up Fran Mill last year. Uh, I, was, I want to say it was like around 10 pick or something. Yeah. Wasn't he? Really? He was he up there, that, right? He was that high? Because I, I was just mad. Um, 132. I, it was ADP 132 in the early one that I had filtered October to December Um, for all wow, DCs. Yeah. He was pretty early. For I all DCs. Was, yeah. I didn't he was, think he was going that high. I guess. I guess that's a fair drop then. It's I guess a fair that's drop. A fair drop. One hundred and sixty yeah. spots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it. Was, I thought it was going lower than that. So, I was gonna say it wasn't a big enough drop after a bad season. But I guess totally. Yep, M- makes sense. He went as a high as ninety four. Um, big drop. Big drop of family. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's tough. Dolaire is, you know, he's always hurt. That's the thing. But I still think I'd probably take the shot on his skill set, you know, over um over Fran Mills. Big, big shift uh sh- shifted on almost eighty percent of his pitches to Solaire. So, you know, his expected Woba and his expected average on the shift was a little better. So maybe that helps him out with getting a couple more hits too on top of the power. He did play a lot for the Cubs down the stretch too. I mean, he had like a month stretch where he was playing like pretty much every day where he hit 279, uh, four homers, 14 RBI and 120 plate appearances, 29 games. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, it's, a, it's, it's frustrating. A Cause I'm a, I'm a guardians fan. I'm a Cleveland guy. So it was like, it's, it's kind of a disappointing from a fan perspective. Like, and you have so much potential, and then I don't know, like we just, I don't know why, like you would just give him up. I mean, unless he was like a big clubhouse distraction or some big bag of shit, right? That could be know. the. Yeah. I mean, like he must be. I don't know anything about it, but I, I mean, or about him, but I mean, there there was some issues, right, with his. I know he had a couple of off the field situations there, right, in Cleveland. So I don't know. But um, I mean, if you think of Cleveland, the team who doesn't hit many home runs, I mean, it's a contact team, and you Mike. feel like you would need that like profile, and then you just give them up. So, I would, it must yeah. be a bag of shit. Yeah, it's really hard with a guy that provides you zero defensive value, zero speed value, and if he's not hitting and he's striking out thirty percent of the time, it's hard to like hold that kind of guy. Um, that's why. Like the his really only path is DHing every day, and is he gonna DH every day? 
I, I don't know. He might. Yeah, more opportunity now in the NL, at least. So, yeah. Brand it's meal. an interesting one. Now that I'm looking at it further, I'm like, maybe, maybe this isn't like as big of a discrepancy as that's a good, that's a good ADP battle that you picked out, Rob. Yeah, it was interesting. Like, I know, like, it's probably not. I'm trying to avoid like the getting them, I think, or, or targeting them, even though Soler, I think, at one point was in my range in one of the drafts, but. Um, they're both know. probably gonna suck so we we probably spent too much time on them both of them already <laughs> no but these are the like these are decisions i felt i know because last year you know like you said ryan last year power was my worst um my worst stat too i totally missed fired uh with pretty much i think a lot of the uh a lot of the eight to 15 guys or 15 to 20 that went down to you know seven eight homers um, but, but there's times in the draft where you're, you're like, oh, I need this power guy. You know, we kind of draft like that every now and then where I need to get some power here and you're just going to look and you're like, all right, who's the next guy up? And if you're having a real bad draft and you have to go one of these guys, it's good to know. Like it's, it's just, uh, you know, we're getting people ready for decisions. That's it. Decision-making, you know. Well, you got a couple hours to make the pick, but you know we just shortened it up for you. No, now you only got to listen to th- you know seven minutes on Solaire. Yeah, my only my only final argument is that uh, Solaire's under contract, and you know he's going to play. And Fran Mill, you don't know he's going to play. So just right. be the difference maker for me, because uh, at DC it's all about volume. So right, that that would that would. Be it's weird because like Soler. when he went. To the Cubs, his O swing went down. Um, his rolling average went from like thirty eight to thirty. Um, his own contact went up, you know, to like as high as eighty five from like seventy eight, seventy nine. But then he just pounded balls into the ground. His ground ball percentage went up past fifty percent in that time range too. So I don't know. Like his swing profile looked, his swing decisions looked a little better, um, but just didn't lift and still hit it pretty decently hard, you know, that didn't really change much either. So I don't know. Uh, it's uh This is, this is interesting too. Cause I actually, you know, these types of decisions are important. Cause I'm looking at last one of last year's drafts and this range of the draft, there were just so many whiffs of guys who I expected to get, give me like 15 to 20 home runs, even more than that. Like if you look, I'm looking at last year's draft between round 16 to, to 20, Bobby Dalbeck, Miguel Sano, uh, 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 what's his face? Um, uh, Frank Schwindel, like all these guys, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. didn't give us anything. Uh, Avisel Garcia was Robbie Grossman. Like all these guys were like guys I was counting on for 15 to 20 home runs and none of them did anything. So yeah, like this, this could be like a good spot for like, you know, yep. around, was this round 20 or a little, even later than that, like yeah, around twenty one, and, and Reyes could be like big value picks actually at this spot. I'm looking. If, I'm scanning if either my, hit. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's like especially you know, you know, like I was saying, like when you need it, sometimes you just force yourself to take a power bat, you know, and yeah, yeah. Adam Duvall, the same thing. another one. Adam Duvall. Last year in one team, I had a Torkelson and a Mustakis, you know, in, tw- in round 21 and 23. So that was clearly a team where I said, okay, you know, I need some power. Um, 
I have some Naquin in there. Um, Boyd. Yep. Boyd. Then you have some gems like Christian Walker, Rowdy Telez. I mean, those are yeah. those are kind of like the the few anomalies between the 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 group of crappy guys. Yep. Do anything. There were hardly any in betweens last year. It was really like you hit on the pick, or they gave you nothing. So yeah. many picks, like the top twenty rounds, gave you nothing offensively. Jesus Sanchez, another guy, Lamont Wade Jr. Yeah, Sanchez was a like dud. All the guys you just named, uh, most of them played. They just literally did nothing. Yeah. All right, next debate. Off range. Yeah. Next debate for speed. Joshua has at ADP 169, Jorge Mateo at 174. That's tough. I saw Jeff Zimmerman post in his Mining the News that Rose Rojas was going to be a bench player. Or they were I thinking saw of that. that too. I it's know. Like, why? Like, what are you thinking? Like, maybe he's just so bad defensively and you don't want to DH him. I think, the yeah, I mean... At one point too last year, um, because I had him in in an OC and I dropped him because there was a stretch. I know he played the last one, two, three, four, five. Played the last twelve games. Um, but Cattell was on the IL for half those games, and um, Emmanuel Rivera too. So I think he was forced to play a little bit more. But after he was playing a lot and often at the end of the year see starting on august 10th he had off he played second he had off off third second off second third off third base and then four games off in a row i don't know maybe they were showing their hand a little bit at the end about joshua roth i know that that stretch of games kind of kept me off because that was with Marte there rivera there you know, you had your Corbin Carroll. They were giving Stone Garrett shots. So Alec Thomas, that just said to me that maybe they were kind of showing that they wanted him to be like a utility guy and not a starter right right in that stretch, you know, before he eventually just started playing every day again. So I, I'm definitely a little hesitant for those reasons, you know. Well, and, and Ryan, you would know this better because you're a dynasty guy. Like Jordan Lawler's coming up. Probably, I don't know if he's a 2023 debut or, or not, but, um, you know, that could certainly impact Rojas playing time too. Um, but yeah, all these, all these guys in this that you listed here are concerns. I mean, Mateo too, like 267 OBP last year. Like he hasn't posted an OBP over 300 yet in his career. Um, it's tough. Like Orioles, Orioles are, you know, up and coming team on the rise. Like, you want to deal with that? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I know. This is a really good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all these are really good. Yeah, this is a good one. I think the lesson here is that you need to draft speed early, so you don't have to draft. <laughs> bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you don't draft, draft bad. You, you don't draft bad players in the top two hundred, because uh, both they're not good players. And Josh Rojas is a bench player. Jorge Mateo uh, could be. Uh, could be a shortstop because of his defense, but I would be stunned if the Orioles didn't add an infielder. And Gunnar Henderson is their uh, shortstop. So I, I would guess the Orioles add a second baseman in free agency 
And Ramon Urias, I think, is their third baseman. So I would say Mateo's a bench utility guy, and Rojas is also a bench utility guy. Uh, gun to my head, I have to draft one of them. I guess Rojas, because the Diamondbacks don't have another third baseman. Um, they did trade for Rivera, and he's got decent skills, but I think he's more of a platoon bat. Like yeah, platoon. he was platooning towards the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I remember play, picking him play. up in the main, and I was like, I just noticed the trend of him losing time. So yeah, platoon for sure. But yeah, then so you I'm, got I'm, a little, a little behind that. You got Whit Merrifield, five spots behind. My personal move is move up ten spots and take Nico Horner at one sixty-five. You know, is. how is Nico Horner even close to those guys? Listen, how, how listen, is, don't worry how about is he even close. <laughs> that's, went, a jo- that's a yeah, joke. Yeah, it's in um in uh Ryan Roof in our recent MTM draft. Um, I had a run. I was like, man, this is just great. Uh, with Edmund. McCarthy and Rosario and Hayes. I just grabbed a bunch of stolen bases. And then mm-hmm. like I really needed to go pitching depth. And but I was like, I was eyeing up, I think, Grayson Rodriguez, um, Bassett, Charlie Morton, especially Charlie Morton at that time and Heaney. And I'm like, yeah, my fucking boy. Yeah, you Nico. took corner of the round. I took Morton, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, my boy Nico is here. No way I'm giving him up. And like at that point, I already had a lot of his profile, but I love Nico. Like it was big Nico this year and I'll be heavy on him this year. And, uh, but, um, so we all have a pretty similar view. What about Whit Merrifield? Like five picks. Is he any safer or is he just as risky as Mateo and Rojas? Oh, he is not any safer. Uh, he's still on the Blue Jays and the Blue Jays have, um, a stud prospect who's a second baseman coming up. And they have Lourdes Gariel in left field. And they have George Springer in center. Uh, I guess Merrifield could play uh, right field. Um, their, their outfield is... Played 40 top, games at right. Yeah. Top is sure. the right fielder. If it wasn't Merrifield, right? Um, he I played know. most of his games in the outfield and right last year. Oh, this is poor podcasting. Uh, their outfield is Goriel, Springer, oh, Teoscar. Teoscar. So Teoscar uh, DHs and plays right. And then they have Springer and Lourdes. So I, I would guess Merrifield is another guy that's just a utility player. Um, or he'll play second base until uh, the Blue Jays stud prospect gets called up. But, oh, man, I guess because Lourdes just had surgery on his wrist so i'm assuming the reason that he hit no homers in the second half and five on the year that he was hurt i mean i don't know wit outperformed him in the second half with the blue jays by far but maybe that was injury incurred or like what is what was really good in the last like two weeks he had like 417 yeah he went nuts in september four homers 11 rbis in the last couple weeks of the year I mean, a small sample, obviously, but but it was nice to see him finish strong at least. He still got he still got the second outfield, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, easily. Yeah, eighty-three games a second, sixty-two in outfield. Yeah, 
two games at first base, which is interesting. Two games it's at just, first. Uh, it's just Wonder again, if you can uh, overtake uh, Vlad Jr. I mean, <laughs> that you're talking about second half stats. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's so tough for me to take a player that isn't good in the top 200. It's just so hard. And like, <laughs> Merrifield will probably play enough, but. He's far, very far from guaranteed playing time on a team as good as Toronto. It just never works. I mean, we look at the guys like, like Miles Straw, Garrett Hampson, like all those guys we take in the top twenty rounds, and like none of them work out. Like Bruhan is another one. Like I don't know. I mean, there's so few like good hitters that steal bases. That's why they go so high in drafts, and that's why you have to draft them. So you don't have to draft. Uh, Jorge Mateo in the top 200. No, because I, I'd i rather have Jose Siri in round 28. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for sure. Give me give me like 15 and 15 in, in that late, you know? And he's he's at least – I mean, these guys might not play. At least Jose Siri, I, I have confidence being the race every day center fielder because he's a defender. Right, absolutely. He's like – He's like what Kiermaier was, like same profile, like almost like, you know, like kind of like a projected out 15-15 kind of guy, like got got some decent pop. He may have more pop, but still good defense. And yeah, like he's got some swing and miss, obviously, but I think he's a lock for a good, a good amount of PT. And um, yeah. The, Ray, the Rays are obsessed with good athletes that hit the ball hard. That's all yeah. they want. Good <laughs> yeah. athletes that hit the ball hard. They don't give a... <laughs> They don't give a shit what your stats are. They just want good athletes that hit the crap out of the ball. I'm gonna hit it 113 miles an hour into the ground. Yeah, yeah they don't. They don't care. Okay. Harold Yandy Diaz. Harold yeah. Ramirez, Yandy Diaz, Jose Siri. I love all of them. Randy Rosarena. Yeah, he's not that. He's not that great of a real life hitter, but he hit the crap out of the ball. He's a good athlete. Yeah, he's he's man. He's just. I took him in the third round, the last draft. I just really love what. He's he's showing and he projects out to be. He just shows that willingness and they give him that green light to run. I love it. Uh, all right. One last ADP battle at ADP 214, two starting pitchers, the young gun Grayson Rodriguez or the veteran John Gray who had a nice little bump of uh, skills and pitch mix in uh, his season with Texas. So um, who wants to go first here and who you got? Um, I like Grayson. I've just been, he's, he's like my one, like keeper dynasty guy. Like I've held for the last like three or four years. So like, he's the guy I like really want to pan out just because <laughs> I've held him for so happen, long. Yeah. So yeah, I need this to happen. Yeah. So Grayson Rodriguez, uh, come through, uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know. He's, he was walking some guys towards the end of last year, but it's just, I don't know. I just think he's a stud. They should they should just start him in the O's rotation from the start of the year next year, hopefully. But we'll see. You would know better, Ryan. You're the you're you're more well versed on this than than me. But uh, normally, what do you think about Grayson? And normally, I would take like a, a a vet like John Gray over Grayson, but John Gray, I don't think is going to pitch more innings than Grayson this year. Uh, he's usually like a 140, 150 inning guy. And I think I think Grayson can get there. Uh Grayson's got elite, elite stuff and 
well above average command. And I think he's going to be in the Orioles' uh, rotation to start the year. I think he's really, really good. And once we see spring training come around, Grayson's going to fly, fly up draft boards. It's going to be disgusting how high he goes. Um, he's an absolute stud. Uh, I would take him over John Gray for sure. So where does he go in March then? 140. No, higher than that. I think he's close. I think he's close to a top hundred pick. I mean, I, I, I think, I think, all of baseball. But like McClanahan was like he was one of the best pitchers coming out of the minors, and we saw him at the end of twenty twenty one, and he still went one twenty ish, one hundred ish. We haven't seen Grayson. You think he's gonna be? I, I think he's the no. Well, Grayson's just so much higher of a prospect. Um. I think he's like top five by most good people, but again, I think he's number one, uh, just because the stuff in command is off the charts. Yeah, and uh, his his my his AAA numbers are off the charts. I think he think he makes the second he gets announced as a Orioles like number two or three starter. He should be their opening day starter just because the rotation stinks, but um, he won't be just because he's a rookie. I think. Uh, I think Grayson's going to go very high in drafts. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to fly up um, to a spot where I'm definitely not going to be on him. Maybe, maybe in like a, maybe in a 12-team league where I can like cut bait if it's just like it's not working out or if he's not, you know, like, I don't know. I don't think in a DC I'm going to go that route, especially if he goes up to as high as you're saying. I don't even think at this spot, I mean, because at this spot I had the chance and I took John Gray. Over him. Yeah, I just think Grayson's a better pitcher. Um, yeah, well, he should I, be. I mean, if he again, if, if Gray if Gray's a two hundred inning like guy normally, I'd probably say Gray because of the volume. But Gray's had some injury issues. Again, he's generally around 140, 150. and he usually doesn't pitch more than that. And only because I think Grayson can get there, uh, I would I would rather the more talented pitcher. If you look at Shane Boz last year, he went around like my last DC year went around ten. So yeah, like one four one forty eight is where he went, and he had thirteen innings a year before plus the plus playoffs. Yep. Yeah, and Scooball, Logan Gilbert, another two other like sophomore pitchers last year that went in that range too. So Kopech, right around there. So yeah, Absolutely. I could see that. I also just think that John Gray has another level as a pitcher. I think we started to see it a little bit. His four-seamer went up uh, about a tick. He added some rise. You know, his, his vertical attack angle got better. The best swing and strike whiff per swing and CSW on his four-seamer was rare. His slider moved seven inches more left to right. He did have a nice stretch whoa, too. Like whoa. right Rob, before it's right like before, November fifth, bro. Like you're right, way right before, too elevated for this conversation. Right, right before his injury, like he two like seventy innings pitched of two point five six and a twenty eight percent strikeout rate. I don't think it's too far to think that he's gonna go back to that. And if Texas wants to get better and adds, you know, better better pen, better offense. I don't know. He's kind of like a guy. I just feel like a sneaky good. Um. Like we saw the improvement. I'm trying to think of the guy from like two years ago. I'm thinking went in the same range and saw like a similar improvement. It was just sneakily good following year. Um, 
I don't know. He's just um, it could be all just a a, a fluky stretch too. You know, I don't know. You look it's, at no. steamer projections. Steamer projects John Gray for 177 innings. Grayson Rodriguez for 129 innings. John, yeah. John Gray ever thrown 177 innings? Uh, um, close. 2018, 172 and a third. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got that's a 168 in the air. He's got a 150, a 149. It's just strange to project him for uh, an inning total he's never hit before. But that's interesting. Yeah. John Gray is my guy. He's uh, I, I like. No, I, I, like I like him. Yeah. I like him. It's just that um. I think it's also uh, a build think, too, right? I think, he, I think he might only have like one really good pitch, uh, which is a bit of an issue. I mean, he throws his fastball and slider ninety percent of the time, about ninety percent of the time. His fastball is only like okay, but his, sli- his slider, like you said, dominated. So I don't know if he has another level, having only one really good pitch. But again, again, we've never seen Grayson in the major league level. Uh, you know, John Gray was good last year. So there's definitely more risk in Grayson. I'm just not 100% sure Gray has another level. He's it, he's right next to... Gray's Al, Vila was back last year, too. He's he's right next to Manoa in um, Pitching Plus. Crazy. John Gray. All right, I'm sold. I'm taking John Gray next. Lock time. it up. Grayson Rodriguez. All right. Made to fade. Is my new segment. I'm gonna make uh part of the podcast during the season two. Who is made to fade for you this year so far? The easiest no no chance. I don't even have to think about it. It's Jake McCarthy. Oh man, he's sticking a dagger through everyone's hearts out there. Yeah, I mean the skills aren't the skills aren't there. Uh really high chase rate. Batted ball data is not good. Uh, the swinging strike isn't even that great at 13%. Um, and I just think at a certain point, the Diamondbacks are going to start Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, and Dalton Varsho in their outfield. And to me, Jake McCarthy does not scream uh, DH. I just don't think Jake McCarthy is going to DH 100 games next year. Um even if you look at his trip, if you look at his minor league numbers before his second trip to Triple A, he's around like a twenty-five percent strikeout rate. So, the, it's a likely chance he regresses to about 26 percent K in the majors. At twenty-five percent K with bad defense and no power, I just don't. As bad as the Diamondbacks are, I don't see him being an everyday player. Got got great cases there, hundred percent. Uh, interesting. I don't know. I I, I think I'm just going to fade Buxton. I, it's an easy way out just because of the injuries, but mm-hmm. it's clear he's never going to, you know, play a full season in the majors. I mean, at this point, like, I don't know. I, I think there's phase. always a, I think there's always a, a price for, right. for any player, but, um, you know, I think let's see, he went to end around five in my latest DC, and I think end around four in our first one that we all had together. And I just don't. There's like, I'm looking at all the players that went around him, and I would take every single player 
around him over him. So it's kind of a cop out just because of his injury history. I think I think he's the clearest fade for me. I I get I to hundred percent agree. I would never even like come close to drafting him. (laughs) Another interesting one for me, and I actually just took him in our recent DC is Adley uh, Ruchman or Rutschman, however you pronounce it. Um, and I know James Anderson loves him. He's he's our riddle wire prospect guy. I don't know your feelings on him, Ryan, but um, I was just looking at the steamer steamer projections for some for the catchers, and it's just it's just interesting comparing his projection versus some of the other ones who are going so much later. Um, just like Alejandro Kirk, very similar projection from Steamer, you know, going a couple rounds later um William Contreras I mean just some of these other guys going so much later for a, you know not as much upside but um I don't know what are your thoughts uh Ryan on Richmond I totally I I don't think he's any better than Alejandro Kirk I really don't uh I think Kirk's gonna get a discount because he struggled in the second half last year but skills wise I think they're very similar uh Rutschman will probably play more, but uh, yeah, he's just going too high. Um, they're baking in the growth already, so he has to hit that growth in order for that price to pay off. And I just think Kirk is just as good. Yeah, and I think you know James Anderson is very well respected across the fantasy baseball industry. So when he's taking him that high, people are going to take stock in into that. So I mean, I don't see that price really changing throughout draft season um and you know a couple round discount in the top seven rounds eight rounds is pretty significant for a similar projection stat line what's freshman's adp so far baking Uh, in the i just wanted to say baking in the growth is a solid solid line like it (laughs) So I actually, so I don't know what his ADP is, but just I have the two draft boards up that I did. 73. Season. Oh, 73. Yeah, round five uh, to James, uh, pick 70, I think. And then I actually, in our recent draft, Rob, I got him um, first pick around seven, pick 91. Wow. Yeah. So he's going right around Will Smith, Varsho, and Real Muto? He's not going before any of them, right? I no, after imagine. a couple of rounds after, yeah, after all of them. So I mean, Will I think that's, yeah. I think that's fine. But Varsho is ADP is skewed by the fact that fucking Weimer got him at ninety two, in that yeah, first that draft was... we did. Like that's never gonna happen again. A like, bunch of idiots we were. We, we are a bunch of assholes. You know, <laughs> I fucking. Yeah, man, it's so weird because when I picked Vinny P, like for some reason I had crossed Varsho off like he was drafted already because I had him ranked ahead of Vinnie P and I I looked back at it and I was like wait a minute why did I take why didn't I take Varsho and he was off my list like I must have feel like Steve is just sitting there like yeah doing the Mr. Burns like hands you know like fucking assholes yeah 92 so dumb yeah, his ADP is 60, 37 min, and then he got that 92 max. And you take that out, his ADP is probably ahead, you know, definitely ahead of Will Smith as the second catcher, you know? And JTR is well Are deserving. we going to see, like, because we, last year we had the, like, closer double taps, right, of uh, Hendricks, Hader, 
Are we gonna see like a like an end of round two, early round, round three? three. Yep. Double cap, double tap yep. of JGR and Varsho. Yeah. I might try that. Yeah. 100%. I wouldn't mind that at all. Like the 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 DCs I cashed in were the all all ones I took an early catcher. Hundred percent. So, all my yeah. you're hundred percent right. All all my better teams have better catchers, either with JTR or like a lot of Wilson Contreras, just something. But JTR especially, he's he's got such a big hold on me because he's he's such an he's such a G code. Oh man, he's great. Let me ask you this because I took two catchers in this DC because I took Will Smith and and Adley Adley Richman. Is that too risky? No, I like it. Just I two, like two I'm, two catchers in a DC. No, no, because like I said, a lot of like I had. I mean, again, a Fab League is cheating, but in OC, I had JTR and Sal P. Um, I had a lot of JTR and Contreras. I had one JTR and Sal P in a DC. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of a lot of times trying to get two really good catchers. You know. I love it. Yeah, well, one thing it. that sticks out to me from last year's DCs is um, I think I had a Perez team and like I was starting like James McCann and Riley Adams. And it's like, what's the what's the point? Like, just uh, just I guess maybe take the zero and maybe it's not as devastating to your other race, you know, other stats. I don't know. Yeah, those bad catchers are basically zeros. Yes. I started yeah, they're a negative, lot of yeah. catchers. Yeah. Yeah. When it's Austin Hedges or an injured catcher, it's it's probably an injured catcher, especially if I fucking don't need any more drag on batting average, you know? It's not even close. Yeah, I yeah. I I think I'd much rather have MJ Melendez 60 picks later than Adley Rutschman. MJ Melendez. I think, too. The, yeah. I think the batting average will be similar. I think the homers will be similar. And Melendez is going to bat leadoff and play every day, just like Rushman's going to play every day. So I don't think there's much of a difference there. Danny Jansen, Francisco Alvarez, even later than that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, round 25, Christian Betancourt, baby. Woo! Yes, I liked that a lot. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love it. But to your, to your point of uh, drafting good catch, like having two good catchers in DCs is so, so valuable. Absolutely. It really is. It really is. Yep. For sure. It helps a lot. Um, I want to hit on uh no, it's pretty long. Maybe I'll chop this up into <laughs> into two different podcasts, but I have some correlations here from um of draft champions of uh last year, 2021 to this year, 2022. Uh good friend, friend of the pod, uh Steve Weimer wrote an article about this on baseball HQ calls uh the, um the value, the value, the volume, the value of volume. And um he had some correlations with um at bats to um the rest of the hitting stats uh runs homers rbi stolen bases in average and then he also did correlation with hitting points um in relation to um your you know your overall hitting points in draft champions to runs homers rbi stolen bases so um real quick with the at bat it just seemed like the volume uh didn't fare as well as last year um the correlation from runs went from to at bats was 0.89 last year, 0.85 this year. Home runs was 0.63 last year, 0.53 this year. RBI didn't go down too much, 0.82 last year, 0.8 this year. Um, batting average fell 0.33 to 0.28, and stolen bases 0.43 to 0.33. But the it usually held higher correlations with the counting stats, and they fell 
which is odd though, because the 80th percentile for at bats went up. Um, last year it was 72, um, 72, 25. This year it was 73, 63. So it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty, oh, no, sorry. I read the 80th and 90th. Um, at bats went from 71, 63, 80th percentile to 72, 25. So more at bats was needed to hover in the 80th percentile, but yet the counting stats didn't perform as well as it did. It's just, just a simple, you know, power was down situation or I don't know. What, what are your thoughts here? Is there anything you think is meaningful behind this? Um, So I took a quick look of comparing uh some like statistical like barometers from 21 and 22. So I just looked at like players that had 70 runs scored uh, last year, as opposed to 2021. Uh, in 2021, there was 107 players with 70 runs scored. And in 2022, there were only 81. Wow. Um, and if you look at RBIs, there were in 2021, there were 89 guys with 70 RBIs and only 67 with 70 RBIs in 2022. And the big one, home runs, there were 102 players with 20 home runs in 21 and 71 players with 20 home runs in 2022, 31-player so difference. Um, so the only thing I can think of is uh, se several things. Uh, one, because offense was down, those guys where it didn't affect them, the Paul Goldschmidt, Aaron Judge, uh, Mookie Betts, guys that just had monster seasons, uh, they were so much more valuable on a per plate appearance basis because the rest of the league was down and they weren't, they stayed the same. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other thing you, you were voluming guys and they weren't giving you anything. Uh, so, I, I mean, again, it's the only thing I can think of uh, as to why the volume didn't correlate uh, to more production is just because so many more players had down years because of how much offense was down. Right. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. I was thinking like, you know, the fact that there's more platoons now in in the league and we also had the NL, you know, like DH bringing in some more options into our lineups. We just getting like less better players, right? It's just more like, so we can get those weeks where we're getting the volume, but the, like the quality of the player in those weeks aren't as, as good as it used to be, I guess, or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I looked at 400 plate appearance players uh, in 2022. There were 205, and there were 188 in 21. So there were actually more 400 plate appearance guys uh, this year than there were last year. Hmm. And like you said, it just didn't it didn't matter. Uh, but I found I found myself in a lot of DCs. Like I didn't do well in DCs. This was my first year doing them. I did really poorly. Um, but some teams I had volume and it just didn't matter because I just had like a ton of Javier Baez, ton of Chris Taylor, ton of JD Martinez, mm. Yasmani Grandal, Joey Votto, and they just stunk. Um, I don't know if that's just bad. I don't think that's bad luck. I think it's bad drafting, but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to chalk it up to. No, I hear you, man. I was like, on my DCs, I was I averaged like on all my DCs 90th percentile at bats. Um 
throughout my team, 98 percent, 92, 86. Uh, one team was under 80, it was 73, but all 83, 84, 85, 99 percentile, 90. I got ton of volume, but home runs, um, 78 percentile, 42, 19th percentile, fourth percentile, 24th percentile, 51st percentile. I just didn't didn't correlate. And even to like runs was my best category counting stats at 87% average on all my DC team, but runs 43%, Rivies 59%, and average 48%. So I don't know. It was weird. I knew the power was off. I just didn't know how much it was off um, as well as Rivies. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I just had a lot of leadoff guys who just weren't doing much else. Uh, but yeah, it's funny because um, in DCs, I oh, in drafts in general, I crushed pitching this year. Um, but my hit, my hitting wasn't great. But it's funny because like even though offense is down, not everyone is gonna do well in pitching and poor in hitting. Like obviously, whoever wins the league has to have like really good hitting or really good pitching, or both. So I don't really know what I did to be so bad in offense this year other than maybe just taking guys that uh, got crapped on by the dead ball. I really, I really don't know what else to chalk it up to because I, I took a lot of late pitching and I drafted a lot of offense in the middle rounds. So I don't, um, I don't really know what happened other than the fact that my guys just stunk. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. Like, I don't I think uh, my point is like, I don't think it's like a strategy sort of thing. I just drafted like the wrong players or I had like on some teams, I had like Jess Chisholm and Bryce Harper and they both missed a ton of time. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Offense just didn't work for me this year. That's a historical trend for me. I always draft pitching way better than uh, I draft offense. And it's something I'm really going to try to focus on as the, the next, you know, month or month or two. Um, you know, as I continue to to enter more drafts, is is what the hell went wrong with pitching or with uh, hitting? I think uh, I think I'm as, I'm in a similar boat to you, Ryan, where I just took too many guys that just stunk, like Robbie Grossman and Abisail Garcia and JD Martinez and a lot of guys who just I was really counting on that didn't perform. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also in the 80 percentile, um, innings pitched went down, um, the 80 percentile innings pitched went down, uh, 23 innings, um, less Ks, but more wins. So that's just like a fluky thing. There's uh, two more wins in the 80 percentile. So not, nothing crazy. 87 to 89, but, uh, I don't know. Did they have to fluke? I would guess less pitching, more wins. Maybe people put more relievers in their lineup. Right. You got you got more wins from relievers, less innings. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking the same. Yeah, I think like I what? think we're starting to roster more. You know those high leverage relievers as mm-hmm. you know the the trend goes that way. So, you know, and even even those guys. Um, I remember twenty twenty one, like Liam Hendricks had like eight wins in addition to his 30 some saves, like a lot of these closers are, are really pitching in a lot of wins too. Um, 
and I don't think it was as high this year as it was in 2021. I think, uh, I think Alex Reyes had like 10 wins and 20 some saves the year before and Hendricks had a bunch of wins and, you know, the Brent suitors had, you know, he had double digit wins too. I don't think we saw that as much last year, but we're starting to roster a lot more of those guys who, because they're pitching in tie games, you know, a lot, they're, they're falling into more wins. The Munozes and Nick Martinez's and, Whitlock's those tips. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I figure also like also less like everything you guys said plus I think less save options where you just like I'm gonna throw this better arm in there and they're just picking up some more random wins for us as the 80 percentile saves went down a little bit too. But um looking at some steamer projections uh that just came out. Have you guys did anything catch I know Ryan Roof you already mentioned a couple of things that caught your eye, but um anybody else that really stuck out you i haven't perused them so much yet but uh some things caught my eye my biggest one i think was at ozzy albies um 20 homers 13 stolen bases 259 109 wrc plus does not really not really great um big hit definitely big hit from you know last last couple of years i think it's reflective of the adp slipping a little bit i don't think i'm gonna i don't think i'm biting in this year as much as i liked him last year and the year before i think he's got a decent chance to hit a little bit of a slide here especially with the yeah, batting I think it line. depends how far he falls right like, like you know i know there's a lot of interesting like i i i like barely scratched the surface of the projections but there mm-hmm. was some several on the hitting side um First of all, um, I think I mentioned Alejandro Kirk. Uh, he had a pretty sizable home run uh, projection compared to what he produced last year from uh, 14 last year to 19. Um, his projection was very similar to, to Rutschman's, which is why I was uh, mentioning that earlier. Um, on the same team, Gabriel Marino was somebody, you know, I'm very interested in this year, um, only projected for 60 plate appearances. I think it'll get significantly more than that. Um, you know, and Toronto might get creative with his usage, similar to what the Royals did with Melendez, you know, playing him in the outfield, you know, maybe third base, second base first. I don't know where he can play, but, you know, with, with a bat that good, you'll, you'll likely want to get him in the lineup. Uh, a couple others, um, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Ryan. Um Eloy, I know Ryan, you really loved him. We were talking on our our pod when we were doing the August draft about you loved Eloy. And uh, he's projected actually, aside from a couple categories, very similarly to Juan Soto, um, especially in the power and and RBI departments. Um, So that really stood out to me. He could be a great value pick where he's going right now. A couple others, Lou Bob for 139 games. Uh, I don't know over under on that. I'm going to take the under probably. Uh, <laughs> probably. And then last one, Joey Manessis, Manessis from the Nationals projected uh, for 264 average, 78 runs, 29 homers, 91 RBIs. Ooh, baby, get in on him now. Yeah. So 
I think from an offensive perspective, those are the ones that least stood out to me the most. That's more than eight. I have, I'm looking at it. Uh, Mayhew and your Suarez, 28. They got Manessas for more than Suarez. I guess they really love that park. I guess that park played up a lot. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know. It's interesting. If Joey Manessas hits more homers than Corey Seager next year, I will. uh, I don't even know. What do you think the prop bet is on that? Corey Seager would have to be like minus 10,000 to have more home runs than Joey <laughs> Manessas next year. <laughs> oh my 29 God. home runs? He's a career minor leaker. He's like 30 years old. I know. That's that's pretty wild. That's insanity. I went, I've got a few on the pitching side, too. Um, some with saves. Um, the ground for 29 starts. Or sorry, 28 starts, 159 innings. That's aggressive. Hunter Green, 11th highest projected case with 212. And Lodolo right behind him with 207. Really liked that. Oh, baby. I don't mind that Green projection at all. Uh, Scherzer projected for the third most innings pitched at 199. And he hasn't pitched more than 179 and a third since 2018. So I would love to see that from him, but... Um, might be a little high. He's 38 years old, yeah. Yeah. Projected innings pitch. Tell me who doesn't fit. Alcantara, Bieber, Darvish, Scherzer, Nola, Manoa, Corbin Burns, Mer- uh, Garrett Cole, Merrill Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't stop looking at um, Byron, Byron Buck, well, other than Manessa's 29 home runs. Byron Bucks did 130 games played. What? How? How does how does that come out in the? How do they spit that out in the projection system? I think even if he's healthy, he's not going to reach that because he's going to be, you know, man, load they management. Sat, yeah. They sat him once a week at least, right? Yeah. Yep. I know we talked about him already, but he got injured like the second week of the season. And he had to work out for four hours before every game just to be ready to play a game <laughs> after the second week of the season. Like, this guy cannot stay healthy. He's 29 years old. He's played over 100 games one time. I just don't I, – I don't know. I yeah. will never understand Byron Buxton, Adalberto Mondesi. Like, these guys that literally can't stay healthy and people just – still draft him in the top uh, I don't know. I understand Weimer drafting him because Weimer's so good with volume that Buxton, 90 games of Buxton plus 70 of replacement level for Weimer will get him to like a second, third round pick. But the normal person that's not a top two (laughs) fantasy player in the world (laughs) should not be drafting Byron Buxton in the top five rounds. Valid point. Yeah, that is so true, right? Like he he he'll make it work. Is that that's such a that's such a great uh that's such a great analysis right there. Hundred percent. That's that's a suit when he drafted him, I was like, what is he doing? But then like twenty minutes later it hit me, it's like, oh that's why he drafted Buxton. Because Mm -hmm. His replacement level is significantly higher than anyone else's, and right. he'll he'll find good production when Buxton's hurt. Great point. Great point. Um, I've got a few more. I'm gonna leave you with. Okay. 
Andres Munoz, best projected ERA, 239. Um, similar to that staying in that bullpen, Sewell with 20 saves to Munoz is 10. Um, I think that's reversed. Um, Seattle just has no financial incentive to limit Munoz's save opportunities moving forward now that he's signed long-term. He's a stud, man. Like, that dude's ridiculous. Um, so those two, um, and then, uh, right now they have Drew Smith projected with 33 saves. I think we can safely assume that's not going to happen. Um, just because there's no relievers, um, pretty much their whole bullpen is free agents. Um, they've got Jonathan Hernandez leading Texas's bullpen with 21 saves compared to seven for Barlow, five for Brock Burke. I'm assuming they're expecting Texas to decline Leclerc's option. Okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't take stock into that. And then um a couple others I really liked was Ginkle, um, Kevin Ginkle in Arizona leading that team with 18 saves. Joe Jimenez with 14 to lead Detroit. And then um they have Jorge Lopez with 20 saves to Yoan Duran's eleven. Um I think they should I think they should just make Duran their closer. I don't know if they want to still keep him as a starter long term or what, but I think they really kind of messed up by not making him their their full time closer because they just lost so many games because they dicked around with Pagan for you know a couple months. Um that was so frustrating so, to watch all year because I had so yeah. much Duran. Uh, I was watching him in, in spring training, and I picked him up everywhere, traded for him everywhere in my dynasty leagues. And they would keep losing games in the ninth inning because of blown staves uh, from Emilio Pagan and other crappy. It's like you you have him right there. The ninth inning is the hardest inning to pitch. Why are you not closing Duran? I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. It just made no sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, he should be there. He should be the closer next year. Gunnar Henderson, 22 and 10. Is that accurate? What do you think? In the ballpark? Uh, I think that's about what I have him projected for. I like that. I like that. And we played third base the most, right? For for them. Because I don't know where does he play next year. Is it is it third or does he move over or what? Second, he'll, short. He'll be, he'll be the shortstop. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's too good to keep away from short. <clears throat> I got him Def- projected for I got him projected for 250, 25 homers, ten steals. All right, right on. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. About Corbin Cowell, they have eighteen and fifteen, two forty two average. It's too too low on the steals. Even yeah. though I don't love Carroll at ADP, he's gonna he's easily gonna steal more than fifteen bases. I think so. I think so as well. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that because he was it, when we were talking about fades at ADP. Like he was he was one I was thinking of mentioning, but yeah, I, I just, just went know. I just went with the safer uh, <laughs> Buxton option. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think with Carroll, uh, I'll, I'll be quick. But the the reason why I can't track them so high is. What's the batting average going to look like? What's the power going to look like? Uh, is he going to platoon? Uh, I just don't. I don't know. Too many question marks for me. Makes sense. Hundred percent. Ryan, the financial. Do you have any uh, ones that kind of stuck out to you? 
Yeah, Emmanuel Classe with the two seven seven ERA. Why? Why would you? His his career ERA is like half that. Uh, <laughs> I would say there's almost a zero percent chance he has an ERA higher than two seven. He's oh uh, one of the best pitchers I've ever seen in my life. I think he's Mariano Rivera that throws a hundred and two miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So no chance he's a two seven ERA next year. I like it. Um, all right, I have a question to end this podcast. And it has to do with slow drafts. I just stuck in my mind when we were slow drafting because you know, Mike DeMouth, you know, he's 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 on you for picks, but I told him one time, like, yo, I am I'm leading the draft in pick time, right? So I said it allows me slack on one, you know, if I'm constantly picking faster than everybody else. If there's one that takes a little longer, like it, it's okay. Like I deserve a little slack, you know, it was like, would you rather have the best average pick time? Right. And I equivalented that to like max EV or 90th percentile of picking, you know, as quick as you can mixed with, you know, some longer ones, you know? So I don't know. There's something that popped in my head. What do you guys do? Like when you're slow drafting and someone's, uh, you know, on the buzzer for you. Are you going to get straight to it or are you, are you still going to give yourself some time? Or are you just ready to pick, you know? I don't know. I try to be ready to pick. I mean, I so in TGFBI, actually, I was on auto the entire draft. Um, nice. I still finished 25th <laughs> overall, so it's almost working there. So, love um, it. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I try to pick could... it as quickly as possible. But yeah, but yeah, like say. I think if I think if you have the best average pick time in your league, like you should be definitely cut some slack if you Get take a little slack. bit longer to to research a couple guys. hundred so. percent. Maybe that's what you should have. Instead of like two hours per pick or four hours per pick, you get an allotted time to pick throughout the whole draft. Yeah, you know? that'd be that'd be cool. So you get that'd like a tremendous you get you get a hundred hours to pick. In a 50 round draft, <laughs> and you can allocate that wherever you like. That would be kind of cool too, to like put some pressure on people. Oh man, maybe we should. I would, I would love they that. should do this. They should yeah, do they should. this, right? Yeah, because like, especially because someone, someone would run out of time like the 30th round, and then they're just automatically on auto. <laughs> it would be amazing. Yeah, that puts a <laughs> lot of pressure, right? Right. So, you'd want to like yeah. hammer out your picks and basically in the last 20 rounds be able to spend like you know two to three hours on each <laughs> if you could yeah or here's the thing you make it like a 30 minute clock for everyone and then you give them like a time bank or whatever and like you can like use up to like, like in poker yeah like in poker exactly yeah. yeah like i'm playing right now like on my phone like <laughs> got my time bank like yeah you know yeah, and then you can use up to like four or eight hours or whatever for the rest of the draft whenever you need it. This is amazing. We just, I think we just, and it's like, it's like a, you know, I think they're going to do that gladiator draft, the NFPC, um, yeah. which I'm kind Sorry of interested in. RT Sport actually has something like that. I've, I've done one in the last two years. It's pretty cool. It's totally different. It's, uh, I, and I like it. It's, Totally changes your style of um, 
basically you're drafting 23 guys, you know, and that's it. And it's not best ball. Um, it, you just get the stats of your whole roster. So it's, um, it's fun. But I think you added that element to it, like a, like a time bank. That'd be great. All right. well, I think it's, I think it's going to be a fast draft. It is. Okay. Only fast draft. Okay. I think so. Yeah. All right. It's uh, only 20. It's only 20. We'll make our own format. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, this has been long enough, and it was awesome. But uh, thank you guys so much. This is great. Thanks. Why don't you uh, give the listeners a little where to find you, what you're doing, and what else? Anything else? Uh, Ryan Roof, Rotowire, at Ryan Roof on Twitter. Right now I'm working on um, reliever projections or outlooks for next year. Um, You'll see those on the site. Um, I think the first uh, 50 or so relievers by the end of this month. And then, um, oh, uh, what else am I working on? I'm doing something else. I forget. It's just, <laughs> I got brain fog. So, yeah. All good. Um, but yeah, find my work at Rotowire and uh, um, I'll be in the draft room. So you'll see me there too. Sounds good, hey, Ryan. Thanks. You can follow me at uh, Ven underscore Armbarn on Twitter. Um, I do a podcast with my boy, John Fish. It's called In the Cut Fantasy. Uh, we should be starting fa- baseball back up uh, this Sunday. We, we try to do episodes every Sunday. And it's just a uh, it's a draft-based podcast, uh, specifically in NFBC. So we're basically just going to go over like DC ADP, strategy, stuff like that. I decided whether or not I'm going to do my own podcast uh, this offseason. So keep, uh, keep an eye out for that. But, nice. Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter. You'll get an update. I feel like you should merge your drumming skills with your baseball podcast analysis. You know, uh, find a way to merge that into one. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll think of something. First of its kind. It definitely would be. You should just, you should just become the Josh Lloyd of fantasy baseball. Um, Roof. I don't know if you know Josh Lloyd, but he's a fantasy basketball analysis a- analyst mm-hmm. from Australia, and he's the funniest motherfucker alive. Oh, he's just he's fucking his hysterical. podcast. The only, the only thing is the shit he says on his pod. I don't know how he gets away with. I feel like I couldn't be like that. Uh, Me either. Hundred expli- percent explicit, but he just says whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, when he really, when he when he tells you to release a guy, he goes jack that guy off. <laughs> uh, we're not gonna get into that right now because I think half of our com- half of our text line are 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 talking about that guy. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah man, awesome. All right, I appreciate you guys. Um, good talking. Yeah, good thanks for having us. This was 100%. this was awesome. Good to talk baseball again. And, yeah, uh, excited good. that you're doing these again and. Gets me excited for draft, draft, uh, drafting, and um, I hope to not see either of you in any yeah, I'm drafts done. moving forward because you guys take all the guys I like. So totally done with no, both of you guys. Definitely not. Stupid move. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right, fellas. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Alrighty, folks. Thank you for listening to that lengthy but informative episode of the pull hitter podcast will be coming at you with the more podcast obviously in the off season going to keep them rolling we're going to be talking to players and 
uh, get their insight into, you know, how they did last year, what went wrong, what went right, you know, try to get some insight into um, anyone holding some interesting nuggets of observation they saw from last year and what they see going forward into this year. Uh, maybe we'll get some people who have participated in some of the drafts that have been taking place already. Um, I kind of want to go over the early podcast that I started in August and we finished up. We'll get some players from that draft coming into uh, mid maybe in groups of twos and threes and talk about how they put together their team, how they go off of um, drafting a team with no ADP and or, you know, limited amount of ADP. And um, yeah, we'll just do that. We'll keep going. We'll keep getting some of the best players in the world onto the show. Um, analysts who do projections, who write articles, get some insights into some stuff, you know, normal off-season prep and um, just to get ready for your drafting needs going forward and uh, hopefully to do a lot more of dynasty and keeper league stuff this offseason as well i want to tap into that and um yeah we're going to explore some some um some more avenues this year in the offseason so be well and don't be a big bag of shit peace